Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Rage against the machine like Dan has. It's time to uh, let it all out. Uh, spill the beans. Did you have a great time? Did you get laid? <laughs> I didn't get laid at the show. I did get laid when I got home. Oh, nice. Um, nice. Not with my date that night, which is okay. You know, I, I will tell you this, though. Mm-hmm. I hadn't drunk any alcohol since I was at your house. Right. So it's been a while ago. So I figured, what the hell? It's a mile away. I can walk it. I can take their subway, whatever. And so I go up and I don't even think about price. I'm like, uh, let me get two Coors Lights. Now, mind you, these are 24 ounces. Right. So essentially they're four beers, right? Because they're two, two 24 ounces. And she goes, well, I'll have the same. So I buy four beers. In theory, it's eight because they're 24 ounces. What would you think would be the the price for such a, um, a venture into uh, drinking alcohol? <laughs> All right, so these are four uh, 24 ounce Coors beers at uh, Pittsburgh's. What stadium is that? Uh, PBG Paints Arena. It's where the Penguins play. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm going to say $10 each. That's 40 bucks. That would have been good. I would have been happy with that. I just put my card in, didn't even think about it. And I'm about to leave. And the lady says, That was $64.50. Holy fuck. I was like, fuck, I need a second mortgage to come to this concert. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> then, like, late, so it's it's so weird. You figure, I mean, Pittsburgh's not Chicago, it's not LA, it's not New York, but it's a city, right? Yeah. And yeah. you figure after it's a Friday night, there's got to be something going on. 
evidently because of COVID, they kind of, they don't do shit. I mean, it was, everything was, because we were all hungry after the show, nowhere to get anything. So I isolate the hotel, go up to her. I'm like, is there anything going, any place we could get some food, you know? And I swear to you, she looks up at me, kind of rolls her eyes and goes, um, you can use Google. I'm like, fuck, man. Okay. It's not like I'm not paying $250 to stay here tonight. They had the valet parking deal too, where you had to pay for that. So man. all in all, it was a good trip though. I came back I'd worked two overtime shifts. As soon as I got home, I got laid. And then today I mowed my lawn. So but I go. got everything done. I think you. Probably- the show was great. The show was fucking amazing. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine, and what was the other uh, act uh, performing? Uh, you know the guy that's on Mar a lot, called, named Killer Mike. Yeah, sure, excellent. It was his band. They're called Run the Jewels. Okay. So they opened, and then they they came out with Rage and did a song later when Rage was playing too. Awesome! That sounds like a great show. Oh, it was. It was. It was. It was awesome. The only thing in Pittsburgh that was affordable was their subway for i don't know if it's covid related but their subway's free right now really you could see when you when you get in where the thing used to take your fare card Mm -hmm. but it's just it's just free now i don't know how long that's going to be or what the deal is but thankfully that was affordable oh wow that sounds awesome dude everything else was extremely expensive (laughs) i was gonna say it makes up for the fucking uh Eighteen dollar beers you pay. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, I just I, obviously I didn't get any more after that. <laughs> um, Cliff Victoria Adeptus uh, Bear Country Podcast, which is our good friend uh, Mr. Shorty, um, Jay Sanders, uh, lots of other people joining us in the chat, and it's great to have all of you. Uh, if I did not, uh, hey, Bearman is in the chat. Uh, Gabe Silva outstanding human being i spent some time with him at camp today i'm dying to ask you i'm dying to ask you because you went to camp if you Mm -hmm. listen and you read twitter if you listen to other podcasts and maybe everybody's right and i'm wrong Mm -hmm. is it all gloom and doom because that's what everybody all this team can't win what difference does it make if roquan holds out that might be better for the bears they'll lose a few more you mean fuck all this but anyway what do you think you were there yeah well, I didn't get the impression that it was all gloom and doom, um, it, but it, there isn't a great energy uh, in that facility right now, at least from my experience one day at camp, Tuesday, August 2nd, uh, and I'll be out there again tomorrow. Uh, but it uh, it's so, everything is sort of like, okay, wait and see. You know, some people are, are down. Some people are still optimistic. Um, it the play that we're seeing is really all still installed. Despite the fact that this was the first day of practice, it is clear that they're installing new plays and they're getting a taste for where this guy can play here. Can he play a little left tackle? Can he play a little right tackle? Can this guy move to this position? So there's a lot of uh, movement on player uh player positions and so it's very hard of course when you're doing that for there to be any rhythm uh so it's this is still in and it's very early infancy of building a team um is mustafer playing center now mustafer played some center today along with uh doug kramer uh but mustafer started the day at center today from what i could tell now one of the bad things about the house hall experience today was 
they had uh, practice at fields one and two. Last week was all three and four. So my first taste of being at Hallis Hall was the practice was on the further field from the stands where probably 80% of the fans were at. And they had the players lined up on the sideline uh, closest to the stands. So we had an impeded view from a field that was about 180 yards away. And it was, it sucked. It fucking sucked. And if the, if I would have paid anything for a ticket, I would have complained about it, but it was free. <laughs> so uh, it was hard to to make things out that were, were happening out there with players in the way. And it's so it's such a distance. Tomorrow I'll be taking my binoculars, uh, Hope, but hopefully they'll be in the closer field. But I'll tell you this, my experience at Bourbon A, despite the fact that I don't love crowds, uh, and they were typically anywhere between 15,000 to 20-plus thousand at Bourbon A, my experience there was so much better than the experience at Hallis Hall, despite the fact that it is a state-of-the-art facility, that it looks good to the eye. Um, but I was uh, overall a, a little disappointed with the overall experience, primarily because the field was so far away and it was difficult to to uh, uh, ascertain what was going on. And Adeptus is right. Got to bring those uh, binoculars and, and spotting scopes. It's, it's fucking lame. You're right. But uh, Scox was, was there and he, he uh, smartly brought his, uh, his binoculars. So he might be a better judge of what was seen today than I am. Was um, the bricklayer there? Was the bricklayer? Who's the bricklayer? Greg Braggs. Oh, no, I didn't see him. Um, didn't see Greg at all. Um, but that's not to say he wasn't there. I didn't see him post anything on Twitter either, so maybe he wasn't there. The guy got, has to work sometime. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's so funny because, you know, Bears Cap, and he loves to be there, but it's during the summertime, which is the busy, busiest time of the year for his profession. So I don't know how he gets out there as often as he does, but God bless him. <laughs> and, and God bless him and, uh, for turning me on uh, to Greg uh, Ilkins, I want to say his last name. I think I screwed it up last week, too. Uh, but he provided the passes, and that was very, very nice of him. I'd like to get Greg on because, like, like I said last week, Greg Elkins. Because as I said last week, this guy, he he, he got his uh, season tickets. The family got the season tickets directly from George Hallis. Uh, so he's got some great stories uh, to share. Greg Elkin. Uh, E-L-K-I-N. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's got good stuff there. He's at. G E L K I N 24, Greg Elkin. And uh, who else? Maybe if you get to know him, he'll send you some passes to uh, Alice Hall. But uh, um, yeah, that's I so do have one thing negative for you. Okay. Maybe every team goes through this. It's, it's a possibility. If you talk to a, a Jaguar fan or, you know, a Titans fan, maybe someone has a story that's comparable. But mm -hmm. feeling sorry for myself, nothing feels quote unquote so bears as this saga going on with Tevin Jenkins right now. Mm -hmm. You're a second round pick, you you trade up for, and now David Kaplan saying that there's the, the Bears are saying he has an attitude problem, he's not practicing, and they're trying to trade him. He's mm -hmm. played six games, he's gonna be a stud wherever else he goes. That always happens. The Bears will give up on him, but by God, he'll go to Green Bay and play 12 seasons. Mm -hmm. Now, we do have to be careful because the Bears haven't exactly said that he is a um, – 
uh, a problem child. Yes, Tooch, we are talking to Tevin now. Absolutely. Anytime you want to pop in, Tooch, you're uh, more than welcome to. I know he's got uh, – there he is. What a handsome young man he is, even with Dan Aguirre covering his face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me put this other background up here that will represent our man. There he is. Um, there he is. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, uh, Tevin Jenkins um, posted this on Twitter, and this is thanks to the great people over at Windy City Grid- Gridiron, uh, uh, Lester Wolf Folk Fork uh, found this. Um, pause it out. That's like a. Matt, Mad Magazine, Don Martin sound effect. Remember Mad Magazine, Don Martin? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I once told him he's got the perfect name to be a writer, and I fucked it up. Sorry, Lester. Uh, Paul Zabowski Jr. Uh, wrote to Tevin jo- Jenkins on Twitter, what's going on, man? Some reports coming out that you are not very kind, that are not very kind to you. Everything good? And Tevin responded, I'm, do- I'm good. Don't believe everything you read. So who knows exactly what's going on? Maybe he is a temperamental bitch and the coaching staff is saying, yeah, this guy doesn't really fit in our culture. uh, So let's see what we can get for him. Or maybe, you know, this is kind of a leaked out thing for the Bears to try to fire him up. Or maybe it's misinformation by Ian Rappaport and others that have reported that the Bears have been getting trade offers and stuff. Don't know yet, but clearly something is wrong. You know, it's something else to add on to this, this fucked up off season. I don't even know what the best adjective is. It's been, it's been an hectic off season. Yes. I have to agree with that. I'm, I'm trying to give the bears organization every fucking benefit of the doubt because I love them so much and I want them to win. And it's so important to my life, Dan's life, uh, Tucci's life, everybody, uh, here. It's so important, uh, trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but man, you know, we have been programmed to to believe in the worst and this doesn't sound like it's any any good at all you know the guy's not practicing they're not telling us what the injury might be might not be you know is it a psychological issue and some of that stuff of course is private but man it is fucked up you're right dan can't hide it yeah between that you've got Mm -hmm. i'm sorry i stepped on you what'd you say Uh, i would say there's so much to unpack with this yeah you know Exactly. It is really fucking weird. Swirling, uh, swirling winds of controversy. Yeah. And then you throw style, on bear style. And, and couple that with Roquan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the Roquan thing is at least encouraging because he is at camp. I saw him today. I uh, got some nice video of him walking away from all the autograph seekers. <laughs> but he is. Um, he is at camp and he is participating in all the meetings. He's just not going to go out there and risk injury uh, in a, at a time where they should be negotiating a long-term contract. From that standpoint, for a guy who is about to make close to $100 million, yeah, I'd be fucking careful too. You know, uh, There are other players in similar situations that are uh, in their contract year. But they're not up for a hundred million dollars. That's a fucking lot of money. It that will create generational wealth for Roquan Smith and his children and his grandchildren and stuff. So, from a business standpoint, I understand that this is the only time he has an upper hand in the negotiations. After training camp, it all goes back to the Chicago Bears. 
So from that standpoint, I I, I get that. Do, do you, uh, Dan? I see both sides. We mentioned that last week because he wasn't drafted by this current regime. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a switch in scheme, unintentional rhymes, and um, not freestyling here. <laughs> but I, it's frustrating though. Mm -hmm. You've seen a couple other people uh, with with Seattle, for example, with Metcalf. They got the deal done. Sa uh, Debo Samuel got the deal done in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So come on, man! It's a bad look. Get the deal done. Let's get our "quote unquote" best player on defense ready to go. We need him. Yeah, I hear you. Um, that's a really good. He said that they're not close on a deal. Mm. Yeah, I saw that too. That broke today. Uh, boy, with that that Tevin Jenkins, can we can we get back to that just real quick? Please, the Tevin Jenkins stuff. I mean, so going. I mean, Greg Gabriel broke it down pretty good on Faldo. Uh, just recently, and then uh, he Greg also had an article on I think it was DeWindy City today. Yeah, that's right. One one of those sites, Greg Gabriel wrote, wrote an article about that uh, site. Yeah, go ahead. Right, and uh, uh, you know how he said that you know he had talked to some GMs around the league, getting you know some kind of info on what they thought, and they they thought Tevin, you know, bad football character, so. That's mm -hmm. out there. And then, you know, you saw him. He, he was benched, you know, or, or moved to the second string mm -hmm. uh, earlier, I think, right, in, in uh, OTAs. And then uh, uh, now this comes out that the trade talk, you know, and if it, like Greg Gable said, if it's coming from Rappaport and Schefter, there's some weight to it. So mm -hmm. either either they got bad information or, uh, the you know, because Bears could be p putting this out there uh, just, you know, whether to light a fighter fire under Tevin or there is actual trade talks. And then of course, uh, a, 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 what is it? Adeptus said in the chat room, you know, Werfs went down in Tampa Bay. So that could be a landing spot for him. But uh, Greg Gabriel made the point that the, this regime doesn't have any ties to Tevin Jake and they're not beholden to keep him there. Would it be a shame that we wasted a, you know, traded up to get a, uh, Tevin Jenkins and wasted draft cap. This, this management team doesn't care. You know, they, they don't they don't care. They just want guys in here who are going to play and win. Uh, that may be, you know, uh, uh, bad news for Bears fans who really like this kid. Maybe think we haven't given him enough chance, but we're not there every day watching how this kid works, what he says, what his attitude is. I know he came out and said, don't believe everything he, he reads, which would, which would lean people who are reading between the lines as this is maybe a motivational tactic. You know, mm -hmm. if they did treat him, that would be the kind of message that you want to send to uh, the rest of the team. Stay in line. You better focus or, you know, we, we don't care. You're, you're out of here. Mm -hmm. That's just my thoughts on, on the situation right now. We won't know until it all plays out. Yeah. By the way, the, the deal on Tristan worse is that it was heat exhaustion uh, related, which is why he was carted off. So I don't think it's anything that will serve as a long-term injury, but uh, sure. yeah, there are definitely going to be teams, teams in contention, that will look at a Tevin Jenkins and say, wow, we fucking loved the tape. You know, we didn't get a chance to draft him. We didn't, we weren't crazy about his physicals or, you know, it looks like his physicals are better, whatever, that they will be interested in him. And so it is now uh, incumbent upon, upon Ryan Poles, if indeed those uh, there are people inquiring about him, to try to get as much as possible for this kid because it would be awful to trade a second rounder for a seventh rounder. That, that, that would just fucking be awful. This guy then, and Dan knows this, uh, 
because he 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 he, lo- he loves chanting this. He will come back and destroy the Bears, right? Right, Dan. <laughs> he will stop every pass rusher on the Bears for the history and his and history. He'll, he'll always yeah. have that the fuck you game. Yeah, always. I don't know if Colombo really had that game per se, but he definitely had a solid career with Dallas after yeah. the Bears gave up on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Danny, I actually want to ask you um, this is kind of like the Bears' history with offensive tackles that they draft high, kind of, isn't it? At least recent history. I mean, we haven't really had a high uh, left tackle or, or offensive Chris tackle. Williams. Right, right. We haven't had one work out since uh, uh, Jimbo Covert. If I, I'm right. yeah. <laughs> Aldo, was that the last one that worked out? Keith Van Horn. That was a long time ago. Yeah, Van Horn and and, uh, and Covert. But <laughs> that's like 40 oh, yeah. years ago. All this started with Stan Thomas. Stan <laughs> yeah. Thomas, Chris Williams, Gabe Karimi, uh, mm-hmm. Mark Colombo. <laughs> who, who else? I mean, the, the best best tackle that worked out the two actually best recent tackles that work usually we have to acquire guys like andy heck or john tate or somebody like this from other or teams. big cat big, big cat, cat got moved from defense yeah right uh, undrafted free agent from cheney state but he had size a lot of defensive tackles that dude was just so big i couldn't get around him and then uh the other one would be charles leno viral debatable whether or not he was he was great but i mean he played Quite a few snaps for the Bears, so I gotta I gotta throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Big Cat Williams had to go through all those losses to Green Bay because he was with the Bears in what 91, 92 ish, the end of Ditka's run, and then they moved him to offense and he became a stud. But you know, he was there through all of those Wani teams that just couldn't win. I mean, ten straight losses, mm-hmm. and then you know, he I think his last year was what oh two. Mm-hmm. With that horrible year at Champaign. So, yeah, he was on a lot of bad Bears football teams. Shout out to Big Cat Williams for a solid career on a shit team. Indeed. Um, we were talking about Roquan Smith, and I did talk to a fan out there. Roquan was was walking away from the fans, uh, didn't want to sign any autographs. At least that's what it appeared to me in that those few seconds that I saw him. And then I heard uh, some fans saying, sign the man, sign the man. So I went over to the fan. Uh, his name is Nicholas. And uh, this is what he said. <clears throat> uh, just ch- sh- uh, chanting out, Roquan, pay the man. Tell me why you think he's so valuable to the Bears. Top five linebacker in the league. We need him. Key part of our defense, especially if we want to stay elite. And it's a building block to our future. You know, especially we got a young quarterback with fields. Roquan, we're going to need him down the line. Like I said, top five in the league. Pay that man. Hey, that man. Do you worry that the time that he's missing out here could f- impact his season in a negative way? Uh, no, I don't, because uh, I believe he's a professional. He's still preparing, as always. And, of course, like I said, and he's I think no matter no matter what time, whenever he's ready to go, he'll be ready to go and get down to business. All right, Nicholas. Thank you. Thank you, man. You know, uh, Nicholas looks like Charles Woodson. He does. <laughs> he does. You think it was Charles Woodson? <laughs> <laughs> I've met Charles Woodson once now, so there's a, uh, a definitely height difference there. But uh, Nicholas, a very cool guy, met a lot of cool Although, people. Yes, do, sir. Do you, do you think there's a chance Brocon plays under the franchise tag this season? Well, uh, he is still under contract in his uh, fi- the f- uh, fifth year of his contract, so he cannot be franchise tag. Right, it'll be next. Yeah. Season. Right. Yeah. And he, I mean, he would have to or not play football or be traded, uh, and right. the franchise. Yeah. 
tag, it would be interesting because if he gets moved to that Will linebacker, I think the franchise tag on Will linebackers, uh, they, it pays less than a middle linebacker. So that might be perhaps why he is even hungrier to sign a long-term contract because he doesn't want to get tagged sure. and get screwed from uh, being paid less because of the position he plays. So something to consider. Would, um, would, that, the next question would be like, would he hold out if he doesn't get a deal for the whole season? I don't think so, Tooch. I really don't. I think the reason that he is there is because he is showing his commitment to the team. But you certainly, you know, we saw what happened with Allen Robinson. I don't think Allen Robinson quit last year, although it certainly did seem on some plays. Uh, you know, I think he was nursing an injury, but I also thought, thought that his relationship with the organization had ruptured to the point where he wasn't there 100% mentally. So I'd hate to see that happen with a guy like Roquan Smith. I don't think that'll happen with Roquan. I think that if they don't reach a contract agreement by the end of training camp, I think he will be suited up for game one. But uh, I'd love to see us steal at least one of these two games against the 49ers and the Packers, and the chances reduce greatly if Roquan Smith isn't practicing with Nicholas Morrow. And by the way, if anybody were to ask me, what was the highlight of the day for you in terms of what you saw? Nicholas Morrow. Holy effing fuck. Now, I didn't, again, didn't get to see his performance on the field uh, very much or, or and very well, but every fucking drill he was running, he was fucking magnificent. Power, explosiveness, quickness. Uh, hustling like hell. And in fact, everybody was hustling, which was great to see a, a vast difference from the uh, Matt Nagy camps, the last two that I saw in person. So um, Nicholas Morrow is, is a special, special player. And I'd love to see him lining up alongside Roquan Smith. That could be a, a special linebacker. He's going to have that dot on the helmet. He's the one that's going to get the communication with the, the coordinator. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? I mean, he's the one calling the plays essentially on the field. Yes. Nicholas, I mean. Nicholas Morrow is correct. Um, yeah. So that also maybe cuts down on Roquan's money. Mm -hmm. Dude, you're not even calling the play. I mean, that sounds so frivolous, but in some regards, are you the team leader on defense if you're not even the one calling the signals? I can no. see the Bears saying that to be tight. Yes. <laughs> Very good point. Do you think, well, isn't it like a minimum of games he could play to get credit for his fifth year? I think it's like six or ten. You know, if he were to hold out six games and play 10, he gets credit for his fifth year, you know? Danny? Yeah, that is a good point. It was it upset Aldo so much, he just got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Aldo. <laughs> uh, could, you see, could you see Roquan getting traded? If they can't work out a deal, I mean, I guess it's plausible. I don't want it to manifest, but yeah. Aldo, I thought... I thought you were so upset by this conversation. You said, fuck it, I'm getting up and I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, you know How many? Somebody in the chat room had, had said, fuck, although uh, I can hear your lip smacking, your tongue smacking. And that's what I've been hearing. And so I said, I better, hmm. I better get something to drink because I'm going to turn off the audience and gross them out with <laughs> cotton, cotton mouth. Exactly. All that weed. <laughs> Probably so, although I haven't smoked in 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, Danny and I were talking about how Roquan played that minimum was like six or ten games to get credit for a fifth season. You know, could you see that happening? 
Oh, like that's yeah. kind of what I mean by holding out. But I mean, and then next oh. year, you know, either have to play under the franchise tag or, or be traded or sign a deal. Mm. You know, that's a good point. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but uh, yeah, I, I could see that happen. I mean, who knows with Rokan? He's his own agent. Him and his mother apparently uh, negotiating these contracts. So, do they even know all of the you know tricks you can play that agents play? I, I don't know. This is a, a, a mystery wrapped in enigma. Blah blah blah. Um, all right, guys, I got some audio from today's practices and a couple of things from last week that I wanted to share. Um, Lots of press conferences too today. Yeah, there well, right. were we, a lot. We saw Robert just, Quinn. Yes, we did see a Robert Quinn sighting. Let's see if I got a Quinn. That somehow. dude is pretty, he's chill, man. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, he was. I thought he was half asleep. <laughs> I know it's like he takes it down on him with the press, but he, he is such a cool dude, man. I'd love to hang out with this guy at a bar. Um, but he was asked, does he think that missing uh, OTAs uh, meant? You know that he was behind. Didn't really matter. I'm kind of think I'm pretty much caught up. I know when they call a play, I know what I'm supposed to do, and kind of anticipate you know the checks and stuff like that. So you know, just study the playbook when you're not in here, and and when you're out there, it just makes everything click even better. So like I said, it's kind of how I just work things. Is that just experience or is OTAs and offseason just overrated? <laughs> Um, that's a teacher's own type of question, you know. I, you know, like I said, it's a. I know. I mean, again, I know how to come in, study my playbook, and not try to overwhelm myself with you know trying to catch up. Like I said, it's it's football. You know, they give a call, and I try to make it as simple as possible, not overcomplicating the game. I'll add this one too of uh, JJ, or excuse me, uh, Quinn talking about the rigors of the game and being a leader. I've been doing this for a while at a very high level. Obviously, you know your body. How how do you balance being a leader on this team, but also knowing like how much of this do you really even need? Um, I guess the best way to answer that is I just try to lead by by examples. You know, I'm, as you can probably tell, I'm not. A, huge talker anyway, so I just try to lead by example, and while I'm out there, you still got to work your craft. It's not automatic, so you still got to go out there and work your craft, no matter what you know, what you're doing or who you are, you still got to go out there and make sure, you know, you can execute at the, the highest level and at a high speed. Robert. He looks so small sitting there. He, he reminded me of like a late 80s NBA player. He'd be like, all right, folks, coming up next, Alex English and Denver Nuggets uh, six-man Robert Quinn. You know, he, he, he looks like a basketball player sitting there. <laughs> he did. That is true. <laughs> but he The mighty Quinn. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm surprised that nickname hasn't stuck, uh, Dan. I've tried. <laughs> you have tried. Nobody's tried more <laughs> than you have. Um, but this guy definitely is a team leader. I, I, I do believe that this team can definitely pull off upsets in those first two games because of guys like Robert Quinn and what this defense is shaping up to be. You know, there were, there's been some people on Twitter posting things about, Oh, the bears haven't given Justin Fields the adequate uh, support, uh, somebody from OTC over the cap. 
put up a graphic that the Bears had invested amongst the least of any team in the NFL on their offense during this offseason. But I understand this philosophy. And this is, and Jordan, uh, our good friend and host of Bears Necessities, uh, uh, said, you know, it, it's typical of the Bears not in, uh, acquiring a quarterback and not investing in him uh, by giving him a supporting cast. And that's a legitimate argument because that's something that we've seen in the past. But I do want to give this team some leeway on that because I think that what they saw on tape is what Dan Aguirre saw and Tooch saw and everybody else saw is that this Bears defense is just really fucking well known for taking siestas and blowing leads uh, that the team had in the fourth quarter or just not making the big play. And so a lot of that had to do with the secondary that was not capable of guarding uh, stellar wide receivers. And so when the draft fell the way that it did, you had guys on the board who they loved, uh, Brisker and Gordon. And both of those guys have been stars in camp. So it made sense. And then they addressed the offense in the third round with a guy who has been having some sensational camp moments with his blazing speed and showing how dangerous this guy can be in a safe, conservative offense. So, um, you know, I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually – leaning more towards Dan that maybe we can compete for a playoff because the way this team has been assembled, the worrisome thing, of course, is the bad luck that we've had, you know, all of these blemishes with players. Like a broken finger in practice immediately with your center. God, Yeah. It's like one of the biggest acquisitions, if not the biggest acquisition for the offensive line, Lucas Patrick, a center, Fucking breaks his thumb and it's fucking snapping in. Good Lord, please help me. It's crazy. Jeez. Like Sanford wanted to grab my heart when I saw that. I'm like, oh, this is the big one. I'm not going to make it past this one. Uh, Sam, just, it's... <laughs> Sam Mufford got a, a horseshoe up his ass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> When you mentioned the lead, like the secondary and blowing leads with the siesta, well, over the over the course of my fandom, like I just have visions of certain secondary men always trailing the play and getting burnt. Jeremy Lincoln, Lemuel Stenson, uh, what was that fucking guy? The the guy that blew the play with with Rogers and thirteen, the white guy. Oh my god, help me out, you know. Cobb touchdown oh. in the the big play in thirteen. Oh God! Yeah, he got his career into the stiff arm. Thankfully, on Monday Night Football, it just got n- knocked the fuck out. Chris Conte, yeah, Chris <laughs> Conte, and then Jackson, who's always trailing the play when someone's about to score. Like, hopefully, with Brisker and like to your point, with Gordon. I mean, we can button button this shit up and and i don't know why we i I say it every week i don't know why we can't be better it just feels like we're going to be better yep um nomad is asking me who really stood out in camp and i mentioned uh nick morrow uh, earlier but uh these uh these the, the entire defensive backfield had another outstanding day um and jalen johnson came over to sign autographs and he was in such great spirits and he led the happy birthday chance to uh, a little kid while he was uh, signing autographs. He was answering questions. 
Um, I asked him, I've got a video from me asking him, you know, what do you think about the orange helmets? And he says, well, uh, I'll wait till I try it on and see how good I look on it. <laughs> um, so he was just really uh, bubbly with his personality. And so he was asked today at the press conference, uh, you know, uh, has the defense won every practice uh, so far? Yeah, we ain't lost a day yet, if you ask me. I mean, I don't know. We be button busting them. So, I mean, I, I I don't know. We just bring the juice, really. I mean, the offense, I mean, they're going to score, but, I mean, it's hard because there's no true sacks or anything like that. So, I mean, they get happy after they score a touchdown after a sack, but, you know, it is what it is. You had any interceptions that you should have had that, that didn't count? Or... That didn't count? Yeah. No, nah, all my picks count. Jalen Johnson looks like Ricky Williams. I can see that. You know, Ditka is Ricky Williams. Oh, yeah. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> I can see that. But, uh, uh, for some reason, I, I, I picture Ricky Williams having the uh, head the size of the room that I'm in. Ricky Williams, had, I, I don't know for a fact because I've never seen him in person, but Ricky Williams always struck me as a guy who had a huge cabeza, man. <laughs> Just fucking huge. But anyways. Did, uh, the wedding dress I, with the picture with Ditka? He wore a wedding dress. Right. Yes, that was on ESPN the magazine, if ESPN I recall. Magazine, right. <laughs> That's right. He traded all his draft picks for Ricky Williams, and that yeah, you're talking about a marriage there. <laughs> that, didn't work out. That's that the well. dumbest draft move ever. You know, I don't know if Ricky would have been like the guy he was by the time he got to the Dolphins in like 2002. If that's the guy that Ditka had in '99 running over motherfuckers, scoring 20 touchdowns, I mean, everyone would applaud his draft. Mm-hmm. I think Ditka, Ditka at the time thought, this is Walter. This is Walter part two. Mm-hmm. And he took a swing at it. I mean, I, I applaud him for the guts, man. Yeah, it, it was definitely a gutsy move. I, I think he gave up too much. I think he probably went in there and said, I'll, I'll trade my whole entire draft. You what? Okay, yeah, we'll take it. And he probably should have negotiated a little better. Um, but um, – Vida is a man. I don't. I don't think it was a terrible move. I don't think it was a stupid move. I mean, that was football at the time. Find yourself a back who can carry the ball thirty times a day. Keep the defense off the field, and that's how you won football games back then. Something yeah, and really if you just had your quarterback too, mm-hmm. instead of all the uh, Billy Joes. Mm-hmm. Back to this whole topic of the uh, defense being ahead of the offense. Luke Getzey was asked about that late last week. I don't think it's necessarily that they're ahead. Luke? Talk to me with your very mouth. I don't think it's necessarily that they're ahead. I think it's just, again, it's to go back to that helmet thing, man. I think a D-line has an advantage over an offensive lineman whenever you're in pad, when you're not wearing pads. It's just, it is what it is why we don't run the ball as much when we're in this situation. Um, so that part of it is all real. That part of it's real. But as far as being along, no. Uh, further along, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think we're both in great shape and we're both in, in the middle of installing things. So sometimes each each side of the ball gets kind of caught off guard because you're not necessarily preparing for everything that we're doing. You're you're trying to stay just true to your rules and your assignments and get guys good uh, at knowing what their responsibility is. So then you can start attacking somebody as you get going into the scheme part of it and attacking another opponent. That makes a lot of sense, uh, although today was the first day of pads, and uh, by what I saw, the defensive line was winning the battle against the offensive linemen. Now, there were a lot of, uh, you know, movements of players. We, uh, there was uh, Riley was at right tackle at one moment, left tackle. Uh, Borum was at right tackle and at left tackle. 
Braxton Jones, I saw at left tackle. I don't think I saw him at right tackle, but there's a lot of movement. And so they're trying to figure stuff out. Who's the best guy. So they're still at that stage. But uh, Jalen Johnson is right. Every time the Bears scored a touchdown, man, it was fucking Mardi Gras, man. The players were just jumping up and down and stuff. And I could see why the defense is thinking to themselves, these motherfuckers, you know, rubbing it in our faces, and we really can't lay lay them out like we, like, you know, we would in a real game. So I, I totally get uh, if he had any frustration of that. I think he was being good-spirited with that whole thing. Um, back to Jalen Johnson. This is him talking about the defensive backfield room and asking if it has to prove itself this year. We all have something to prove. Um, I mean, I feel like it's bigger this year more than ever, um, especially coming off of last year and all the things that were said. Um, and then we have some new guys, too, some new additions that also have to come and prove themselves. So, I mean, we all really trying to work together, um, and we all want to win. We all want to do our best, but I mean, we all really got to come in and work together as one unit, and we all got to be hungry and push each other. I think you talked about Kyle Fuller and his influence when you mm-hmm. Does this group feel like it's your room now? Do you feel like you're the guy leading the group? I would definitely say my leadership role has increased 100%. Um, I feel like it's really a combination of me and Eddie um, and being able to really control the safeties, control the corners and nickels and things like that. Um, but I feel like it all starts with us leading by our actions, us doing things the right way on and off the field, and then getting that trust from the younger guys, getting that trust from the guys that are newer to the building, um, and just showing really how to how to work. Um, so, I mean, for me, it's really just more so leading by example and then gaining their trust. And then after that, I feel like we can all follow in one direction. You know, Jalen Johnson does really great press conferences, particularly after a great practice he had a great practice today uh last year he had a number of great practices and had great press conferences afterwards when things are going sour he doesn't have a great practice. maybe that's just the way i wish someone would ask him about coach nagy (laughs) (laughs) and just have him fire off i I think mitch mitch said something uh recently on twitter i saw that uh trubisky was asked about his chicago days it was it seemed like a jab, but it wasn't like, ooh, I can't wait to talk about it. But it was something. You know, he took a small shot. Mm. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. Uh, he's become the darling in uh, Pittsburgh because of his attitude, and he's taken all the first-team snaps. He's looked bad at times, but he's also looked good, so he's given them some promise. Tucci, we're going to say something? Yeah, he, he said um, he played the coach's game. Ah. That was quote. He played the coach's game. What they what 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 he wanted him to play mm-hmm. is what he played. What what uh, what a Dowell Loggins wanted him to play is what he did. You know he was yeah. he's a good soldier. Follow orders. He had to to do what Nagy said. Mm-hmm. Nagy didn't change for him. You know, change for Nagy. Well, yeah. to be fair, we didn't have Dowell here when he was here. Was, uh, what was the what was the first was the yeah, first season? Season. Mitch Mitch had Dowell, I think. Right? Was that yeah yeah. No, okay, yeah, Fox's last year. You're right. Fo- I'm Fox's sorry. last season, yeah. That's on me. I fucked that up. That, you rarely That's do, Dan. Right. So, uh, but I know. Do, what? We all take satisfaction that uh, Tucci outsmarted you. <laughs> it doesn't you know, happen Cutler, often, folks. Cutler loved Dow. That's right. Cutler had Dow. That is correct. Cutler loved Dow, and Cutler didn't like a lot of people, but he liked Dow Loggins. Yeah. I forgot the name of that Denver sportscaster guy who was always on. He's got a big Twitter following, but uh, Philip Toshin, Shane, and I interviewed him, and he, he had a lot of terrible things to talk to say about Dal Loggins. Basically, that he was he was 
he didn't use these words, but that he was a cocksucker, that he would endear himself to uh, his superiors by running out and getting coffee for them, doing whatever they, that they wanted, but that he himself, uh, Dal Loggins, didn't have a talented bone for coaching in his body. But uh, And he had apparently, this guy had, had played for him. I got to find his name. Um, but uh, I think he was talking about Nagy, not Dal Loggins. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, he, he was taking a shot at Maggie. He was, he was, I, was, I had to, I had to play the coach's game. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, what does Cox say, Aldo? Did you talk about how they kept hiding the eleven versus eleven? Yeah, we did talk about that, Cox. They fucking, you know. That you, so yeah, that was the 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 theory. Uh, Neil Stopchinski was out there, and he shared with me that I, he thinks that they moved it to the far. Uh, practice field so that people like me who was sneak trying to sneak a, a video highlight or two, it would be impossible to, and that they put players uh, on the sideline impeding our point of view, um, particularly so that they could just make it a little harder for us to see what they were doing. Now, when I go out there again, if they don't move it to the field closer to the stands, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's their practice. They could do it, but it will be disappointing that I, I can't see up close what's going on. So, This is and a really a interesting point. Nick says, I really wonder how Mitch would How would Mitch do with Getsy? I think yeah. uh, Getsy is smart enough to, to utilize his, his talents. Yeah. I just had a vision of you going to practice tomorrow, having a shit view, and having mm -hmm. a meltdown like Pacino and, and – um, what, and justice for all. He's like, I'm out of order. You're out of order. This fucking team's out of order. <laughs> Trust me, I thought about it today. I really, really did. You know, especially when uh, when I was shooting video of uh, just the guys in practice hitting pads. Uh, the security guy says, "Are you taking pictures or move, moving video?" And I went, oh. Of course, I'm just taking pictures. I lied. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like they aren't doing anything other than the field and other hitting uh, uh, practice dummies. Why Why are you even asking that? <laughs> it must have thought I was Greg Braggs. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, that, that isn't my drone. That's not my drone. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so, by the way, getting back to um, the Tevin Jenkins talk, you know, and Scott's actually made me aware of this because I wasn't aware that there are stories coming out that uh, Jenkins might be drinking too much beer. Uh, so, <laughs> have you guys heard that? No. <laughs> that he's a beer lover and and... And so that might be kind of impeding his progress <laughs> and, uh, on stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know too much. About friends it, with so Mark Burley? I shared a story with Scox, and I, I think I've shared it on this show before, is my mom used to be uh, head of housekeeping uh, for certain floors at the Conrad Hilton, the hotel that the Bears would stay at the night before the game. And uh, this was all the way back to the 80s. And uh, – when uh, William Perry's room, she would go in to William Perry's room and there was two empty cases of beer. And I would say, well, he probably had 
people. And she goes, no, Aldo, it's every week. Every time they stay, his room is always, it, there's like 40 empty beer cans and there's no sign that anybody else was in the room. So she's basically <laughs> claiming that Perry was putting away 40 beers a night before a game. So wow. Remember the commercial was him uh, chugging Coca-Cola. That's right. He's had like a case of soda he was supposed to be drinking. I, I guess that would have been better than all the beer. True. And I bet that he was probably saying, can I do another take? <laughs> <laughs> Give me another Coke. I'll do another take for you. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, a number of people had good practices and have been having good practices on the offense that we need to talk about. Let's first talk about uh, – uh, a player that Dan Aguirre loves so much, Cole Komet. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> Cole is definitely going to have his best season as a pro. I feel it in my bones. Uh, he was asked um, how he will become a top-tier tight end. What does he have to do? What has to happen? Yeah, I think just progressing every day. It's just taking a step every day, um, knowing what I'm doing in this offense and establishing myself with the coaches here and and obviously with Justin, that's that's my main main thing, and doing that every day. And I think I can get to where I want to go if I if I if I stay to that and, and keep progressing. Are they statistical or tangible, or are they less tangible? Than yeah, I don't. I don't. The statistic thing is like you can obviously you point at that for some things, but I think for me, I, I'll know with my communication with coaches and, and Justin, like that's that that's the main thing there. Well, to that end, uh, it seems like there's in the first years there's been an emphasis by you and your coaches to be a blocker, to really work on the blocking part of your game. Yeah. How much are you anticipating kind of a payoff now in this offense you know, for that aspect of your game? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been clear about this. I've always loved playing the true Y style as a tight end. And to be able to, you know, can, with Ryan here, it's been really, really helpful for me in the run game so far. I've kind of learned some new techniques from him. Um, and then using that, really truly using that for the pass game, I think can be really beneficial, especially in this scheme. What do you think? I, I would like to, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you what you think. I just kept thinking, I probably should have been listening closer to what he said there, but I kept thinking if there was any way to like extrapolate out statistics, because I don't know how many catches he had last year, but it felt like overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, his statistics are always accrued while the Bears are down 10-plus in the fourth quarter. He is the quote-unquote garbage time guy to me. Like, all of his stats or when the game is – like Tampa's up 58-3 to or whatever it was last season. There's Cole Komet with six catches in the fourth quarter. You know, just – he always has his stats when, when nothing really matters and he falls down and he fumbles. I hope that this guy turns it around because they said he was a Bears fan growing up, so I want him to succeed, but – He's man, I'm telling you, he's on the cusp of being a bust. Yeah, I don't I don't buy that at all. He is not on the cusp of, of being a bust. He will have a long NFL career. The question probably not is, here though. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to well, argue with that. You guys both make great points. I mean, I is it is it you know, I mean he could either have a breakout season because he had 60 catches last year, but zero <laughs> touchdowns. Like Danny said, it's just you know, it's a lot of hot air. But, or could he bust out? No, I don't think it's – is he going to be like right down the middle? Is he going to be really good or really bad? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, his hands would lend me to think he's probably just going to be either average or below average, like Danny said. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. That 
doing mock drafts for fantasy football, I find myself drafting him a lot because of potential. He's like way down at the end of the tight end list. Like I get him maybe get get 10 points a game in fantasy, you know, but exactly. And you know, the biggest thing, as you said, Tooch was the, the lack of touchdowns. And so he was asked about that because, you know, first of all, he wasn't getting a lot of red zone targets and he got one. I think he dropped one pass and, uh, and, and maybe there were a couple of, overthrows on, a, on another couple but he was asked today about um uh what will help him be more effective in the red zone your sense on what will allow that breakthrough for you individually whether it's things you've worked on or things that the offense will allow you to do yeah i think that's a little bit of both there in that setting uh you know being put in situations you know friendly situations obviously in the red zone uh being used in the low red uh things like that and um yeah so i think just part of the schematics of it and and, you know, things that I've worked on with releases and things like that, that'll all help uh, with me in the red zone. I really do think that Luke Getze is going to utilize this guy much better than Matt Nagy did. Uh, oh, I'm but, sure. Yeah. I so, can't – Matt Nagy didn't – he wasn't better than, in any aspect of football in comparison with anybody else coaching. Mm-hmm. Tell me one thing Nagy could do better than anybody else. Um, He came up with that boom thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought that boom thing was really cool. I, I don't think there's ever been a, a head coach in Bears history who came up with a really good locker room, you know, celebration. Boom! He, he, he no, wore no, a not visor not well. Cool. What was that? He he wore a visor well. <laughs> it's like, why do bald guys wear visors? No, it's like isn't <laughs> isn't the point to like cover the bald head? Yeah. <laughs> I think they want cancer. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of. I want to die. I'm a terrible like Nagy. It's so naggy. You made zero sense. You know? <laughs> and so- neither, neither did Club Dub when you're like three and thirteen. You know, right. whatever. Yeah, it was weird because we asked players about that, and they they kind of chastised us. Uh, you know, that's our celebration. It has nothing to do with you guys. Well, then stop fucking sending out videos from your celebrations out on social media because then we become a part of it. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I don't know. Ever since Gruden, Gruden mocked them in 2019 in London, he's like, yeah. well, I don't have a disco ball, but I can fucking dance or whatever, mocking it. It's just like, it felt like from that moment on, Nagy was an impotent fucking cock in yep. Chicago, unable to do anything. Good way of putting it, Dan. <laughs> so, Danny, can I ask? Can I ask Danny a question? I, uh, I remember when, when uh, after after year two, I wanted Aggie gone. We still would have Mitch. So, if Mitch worked with Getzy. Do you think Mitch could have been successful? Maybe he's still here. He signs a second deal with Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'm open to any any thought process because I I am of the the mindset that Mitch had to overcome his coaching which is part of why I keep telling you I think the Bears can win this year because we have adults coaching the team now. Not someone like me. It's just like, oh, I'm great at fucking Madden. So I should be the coach. You know, that's kind of the way Nagy felt like to me. I can I can beat you 51 to fucking 8 on Madden. I just made up that score. I don't know where it came no, from. I, I totally agree, agree with that. For a, head, for a head NFL head coach, he was a really good Madden player. Right? Yeah, he just... He was so out of his, so underqualified. It's just, it's embarrassing. He, I think, again, he's the worst coach we've ever had in my lifetime. Yeah. For sure. 
I think he makes Mark Tressman look like Vince Lombardi. <laughs> it, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, he was the Stengali of Bears coaches, Aldo. You know, he like hypnotized people to think that he was good. <laughs> he would always but be like, well, yeah, I was coach of the year. That's what he's going to crutch on the rest of his life. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people uh, will criticize us for picking on, well, that guy was is gone. Why, why are we talking about it? Because it's fun. <laughs> and it's a way, like, it's cathartic. It is. That's the going to deal with this fucking guy for four years when you had a team that was on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl or at least contending for deep playoff positioning, and you got this one guy holding the team back. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to swallow, man. When you especially run a team that for years is perennially losing, mm-hmm. and then you have something finally, and this guy shit it all away. Yeah, Ryan Pace wasn't much better. Truth. But uh, it just feels. If Kevin Jenkins becomes a bus, then Ryan Pace is going to go down as the worst fucking general manager in Bears history. Well, we've only had a few, right? (laughs) (laughs) Out of the three that we've had. (laughs) Well, he makes Jerry Angelo look like Al Davis. How about that? (laughs) In terms of how great he can draft and stuff. Aldo, I want to ask you a question, a Ryan Pace question. Ryan Pace was always trading draft picks. Was it? Do you think it was like desperation? He was like, "I'm about to lose my job." Maybe George McCaskey was like dropping comments and hints and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And like Ryan Pace, like, "Oh, dude, what the fuck," you know. He's like always yeah. tra- trading up. He never, he never trade. We finally get polls here. He, he, in my opinion, polls traded back too much, yeah. you know, at the last, yeah. the last on the third day. But mm-hmm. at, at least we, I'll you know, explain at least on that. Trading back. Yeah. Other than Fields, and again, I guess the jury's still out on Justin. It, I, I'm obviously on Team Fields, but you know he's still got a lot to prove. But of all the players that Ryan Pace traded up for, the Anthony Millers and Tevin Jing, where, did any of them pan out? The ones he gave up a draft pick to move up to get any of them? Um, David Montgomery. Did he trade up to get Montgomery? Yeah, he traded up for Montgomery. Yep. Oh, that that's a good that's a good one then. Yeah, he traded up for Tevin Jenkins. Yeah, that's Anthony about thirty nine. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that was another one that was a miss. Yeah. You know, so he's one and one. Yeah. Anthony Miller. Right. See, but I, the thing about David Montgomery, yeah, unless Anthony they have Miller. intel, yeah, Anthony Miller was the worst, right? Um, I got flamed on Barroom for saying I didn't like the pick. I wanted Harold Landry, Chachi, mm-hmm. and I back then. And everyone yeah. was like, "Oh, Anthony Miller." Yeah, I was like, "I don't oh, know." Phil man. loved Anthony Miller. I know. Two- Tooch, you came on our, came on. Uh, yep. yeah, our podcast, uh, our draft day podcast, and Danny Sherman <laughs> and uh, Phil Toshin both disagreed with you mightily. They they were like, yep. you don't know what you're talking about, and uh, you were, ended up being right. The guy I has Harold Landry. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been a good, <laughs> good, very good pick. Everybody um, kept saying that night, Anthony Miller or Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. He's the next Steve Smith from you know Carolina or Baltimore or wherever, you know. But uh, I, I'm not going to say I was some expert because I don't watch college football. But it felt like a stretch to me at the time. But you know, I'm not proved to be correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about the wide receiver core. Uh, let's of course start with the number one wide receiver on the team, Darnell Mooney. He is having again another excellent camp, and so much is being made out of this. All these workouts that Fields and Mooney have had away from 
Hallis Hall, away from football, and down in Atlanta, uh, working out together. And the chemistry that they're building is just growing and growing and growing. And I remember when Ryan Poles was asked uh, about what's most important for a second-year quarterback, and Poles said, we have actually done research on this, and we find that the most important thing is that they – we find that person a reliable, dependable receiver for those moments where you really need to pick up a first down. So with Mahomes, it was Travis Kelsey, et cetera, et cetera. So he's coming into a situation, poses where he's already got that in Darnell Mooney. This is uh, Luke Getze on Mooney. Yeah, being within the division, I got to see him a lot, right? And so you, you watch a lot of film with a guy, and I've always been impressed with him. And then you can, you've can you kind of got to see him get better each year. And uh, he's capable of doing a lot of different things. I think that's what's so cool about him. I think he's a guy who can line up outside and beat someone in a one-on-one. He can run by you because he's fast enough, and he can play in the slot and do a bunch of those things. And then he has a high football IQ too. So um, I think all those things make him you know, a really special guy in what we want to do. Um, this is going to be a big year. 100 catches for Darnell Mooney, 10 touchdowns. Uh, uh, that's my prediction. If you are going to, you know, fantasy football players who love to stack up with Chicago Bears players, get yourself David Montgomery, get yourself Darnell Mooney, and get yourself Cole Komet, and you're going to have a good lineup. And I got another surprise name. Maybe it's not a surprise. Valus Jones is going to have 1,000 total yards. And punt return, kick returns, and what he does catching the ball and picking up yards after catch. I don't know how many touchdowns he's, he has. I don't expect he'll have more than two or three. But he is going to be a yards machine, and he showed that again today at camp, and I'm super excited by him. And Equinemius St. Brown is proving to be a really, really, uh, really a, a guy to keep an eye on. Um, you know, a lot of people have been – saying Brian Pringle is going to be the starting a wide receiver opposite Darnell Mooney. I don't know. I don't know. This St. Brown kid is uh, starting to get some attention. Scott saw him last week at camp and said, wow, he's really been playing. I think somebody in the chat room, either Nomad or Art by Nike, uh, uh, applauded what St. Brown has been doing. And today he caught a touchdown pass. He's just such a huge effing red zone target. So I'm offended uh, by you saying harsh letters like effing. <laughs> I would appreciate the word being completely enunciated. Fucking. I started that last week when I censored myself and all those. Now it's caught the censor virus right. from me. <laughs> I, I forget. We're, we're on HBO, sort of speak. That's right. Those guys are all good blockers. Those wide receivers like St. Brown, Mooney, uh, uh, Pringle, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the uh, Nikhil Harry. These guys are all guys who really – that's one of the reasons why they went and got – not only is Nikhil Harry a big target, but he's also one of the better blocking wide receivers, which is a big mm-hmm. part of that Green Bay offense. You know, all those guys could block over there. And mm-hmm. Equ- Equinemius St. Brown is like six foot four, I think, isn't he? So yes, he's he tall mm-hmm. and he's fast, and he, he has the advantage of knowing the offense uh, mm-hmm. better than any of the other wide receivers because he played in it for, what, three years? Right. All right. Everything you're all are saying, again, that's what I've been saying. This wide receiver group, which is so maligned, mm-hmm. when yeah. you listen to people talk, yep. it maybe it will prove to be just shitty, but it feels to me that this wide receiver group is, is exponentially better than the 2021 Bears receivers. Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I said freaking. It, it's starting to bother me out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you're thinking of William Freaking. <laughs> 
<laughs> Barrelissimo was a big St. Brown fan when he was coming out in the draft. Uh, and he thought, I put this uh, guy over the whole offseason talking about he was a great acquisition. Yeah. Who, who said that? I, I did. I mean, the whole offseason, I told you, I thought that the lack of money he was given, the fact that our offensive coordinator was from Green Bay, mm-hmm. that they must have vouched for him, and that he came here on a, a deal that said, I'm here to prove that I'm better than what you think mm-hmm. and that I'm hungry. So I liked the acquisition from the jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you on that. Um, I, I, I think we go course. We, we know who the wide receivers are going to be on this team, I think, pretty much. You, you know, at least the top five. Whether they keep five or six, that's really the question. You're going to have Mooney, Velas Jones, Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, and probably Nikhil Harry since they traded a seven for him. Although his spot isn't guaranteed. After that, it's like, you know, the, whether they keep five or six. But I think those five guys are probably penciled in or inked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. St. Brown might be a sleeper. I uh, I think people are waking up uh, about St. Brown. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this first preseason game. When is that? In two weeks, right? And um, Aldo, I, I told you in text a couple weeks ago before your vacation, mm-hmm. the Bears are going to win week two, Sunday night football at Green Bay, St. Brown, the game-winning touchdown. You did. You did say It's that. my wet dream. It probably won't come to pass, but if it does – I called it here. Uh, well, uh, and we have it now on tape, so we can uh, mark it down. 105, 104.30. If it happens, we'll go back to the tape. If it doesn't happen. Nice. It doesn't we'll- lie. <laughs> the tape does lie. I, I want to talk about that a little later. <laughs> His brother's a pretty good player, too, on the Lions. Yeah, from the Detroit. Yeah, he's solid. Like Don Bear's gone. Don Bear's gone, so I think it's safe for me to, to praise a Lions player now. <laughs> When's the last time Don was here? He's he was here a tonight. while. Really? Okay. He, he was, was here tonight for a little bit. Yeah. He's got He's so many other podcasts to troll in. Damn. Yeah. He, he, uh, he bounced. The Bears will have a press conference, and there's Don Burr talking shit. <laughs> he's, he's sitting next to Patsy asking questions. Don Burr is like at Oswald's press conference when, uh, <laughs> when Ruby's there, you know, correcting the press. When they, they don't know the group that Oswald was connected to, and it's actually fucking Ruby who corrects the press, that's Don Burr. <laughs> ah. He's like, uh, Ruby saying, I'm a Patsy. And uh, Don Burr is saying, no, you're not. Go Detroit versus everybody. <laughs> I remember a few weeks ago when someone in the chat room said, I don't I don't even want to. It sounds like I'm saying this, but it was typed in the chat room that uh-huh. to get a warm meal in his stomach, mm-hmm. a lot of times he often sucked guys off to get the semen in his stomach. I didn't say that. Somebody said that. It wasn't me. But I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. Uh, we've to got substitute for a warm meal would be some warm cum. <laughs> <laughs> we've got this new setup now where Dan can actually see the comments in the in the in the comments. So uh, this is great because you can see some of the great humor uh, our followers have. 
Um, let's see. Do I have anything else? I got tons of other sound bites, but let's see within the context. Oh, let's talk about Nikhil Harry, uh, who Tooch brought up. This was Getty talking about Harry uh, late last week, five days ago. No, I mean, you like read about a guy, right? And you, you're in the draft process, and then you and all that stuff. But when he gets him in front of you, and you're like, "Whoa, this dude's a he's a he's a big, thick dude." I mean, he's he's an impressive guy, but even more impressed with like his mentality, how he came in here. Like he came in here with a purpose and. Um, to be here for like a week, basically, uh, and grab that playbook and to be as far along as he is already. I'm very impressed with, with how he's approached this thing. Nikhil Harry uh, is not yeah. going to be that dependable wide receiver for Justin Fields. Let's not ever consider that. But he can become, if he excels at special teams play, um, he can become that fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth receiver of the cover six receivers who can come in and do something special, whether it's with a downfield block, whether it's with uh, catching something short and breaking some tackles, that kind of stuff. I don't expect the former first-rounder, Harry, to play like a uh, first-rounder, but I do think that he's capable of helping this wide receiver team and and at the very least now he's just adding to the competition and that's a great thing you guys have don't you think he's he's sort of like demir bird last year and he's on paper he's better yes much better much St. brown is better than most of the guys from last season i just think this wide receiver group is is underrated at this point they've got to prove it but i don't think that it's as big a problem as everyone is saying but that's just me being in my fanboy chair but i yeah i I think you're right yeah, go ahead, Tooch. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, it sure sounds like he's got a a, a a better chance than I thought of making the roster. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Harry, at least he could be one of those guys that like you throw it up for and hope he comes down with it forty yards down the field. You know, exactly. Uh, red zone target as well. You know, and he blocks. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, Luke Getzey seems like he, if he had a if he had a say in whether or not they keep him, that he would you know mm-hmm. thumbs up. Now, my only concern with this wide receiver room is that, you know, you have so many new faces and it just takes time. So that that's what worries me, that we may not see this wide receiver room uh, contribute to their capabilities until the middle of the season once they're, they've got, all, you know, some games under their belt and so forth, which is what worries me about stealing those first two games is that we may not get a lot from a Pringle, from a, you know, although – the, the saving grace with Pringle and particularly St. Brown is they know the offense. They fucking know the offense well. So uh, so that could help. But I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I'm old school football, and I've been taught that it just takes a while for guys to get, you know, going together, and you're learning a new offense and a lot of different guys from different places. It's going to be a challenge, no doubt about it. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, let me reference, uh, this is an old, old situation, but – just to contradict you on purpose. Yes. You remember Tom Waddle? Everyone knows Tom Waddle. Yes, very nice man. Great broadcaster. Very the man's man. Every guy could be Tom Waddle on the field was the way people viewed him as not very talented, but above and beyond an effort, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course he was talented. He wouldn't have been on, and, but you know what I'm saying? He's sort of like the guy that people in the stands can relate to because he's not very fast. He's white. You know, he's, he's all these things. Uh, and I say white because typically white people are slower. You know, that's not a, tr- a fact, but anyway, my point is he, he keeps getting cut. Finally, he's, he's in a game 
in week one, it's not like he's part playing with Harbaugh in the preseason. Back then, you have six preseason games. He would have been with P.T. Willis all day long. Mm-hmm. Opening day against Minnesota, though, it's Harbaugh deep to Tom Waddle touchdown, probably their first pass together at that mm-hmm. time. Of course, they came close after that, but I'm just saying it happens. Somebody, you know, it could be their first game with the organization, and 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 they bust out. I mean, I'm just, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the guys that is new here has a big game against San Francisco. Is what I'm saying. It's it, it's possible. It's been done. Yeah, I'm being asked about Daz Newsom. How did he look uh, from Russell Webster? Uh, I really didn't notice him much at all today. I'm I'm not even sure he was on the field to be honest with you. Um, so um, I used to say about Eddie Goldman last year. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's on the field. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't mean that he hasn't looked good this camp, but I I, I don't really have much to report about Daz Newsome. So uh, sorry, Russell. Um, Let's see. I think I've run out of sound bites that I really, really wanted to play. Although there was a couple of things that Jalen Johnson said that I think you guys might find of interest. He talks at length here about uh, how he studies other wide receivers to prepare for uh, playing the NFL? Um, I would definitely say it just comes with honestly seeing it a lot. And I feel like I'm one to watch a lot of film and just really just go through. I mean, honestly, I'll get on YouTube. I don't even need to watch the iPad, but just see certain movements, how they run certain routes. And I mean, eventually everybody has a tendency. Everybody has their go-to move. Everybody has their go-to release. So I mean, really just seeing it and replaying it over and over and over and then I get to a point where I have my mental imagery and I'll just go throughout my house, eyes closed, working and seeing the movement and, again, kind of getting the timing down and imagining myself being in front of them. And then when I get there, I mean, it's everything I've already went against. I mean, in my head, I've went against those guys thousands of times within my own imagination. Do you start doing that? Have you already been doing that this offseason, or do you do that when Oh, yeah, no. That's every – honestly, that's my life. I mean, I can watch a highlight on – Twitter and I'll replay it over and 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 I'll imagine myself covering that route. So I mean it's really just something that I just do naturally. I don't even really think to do it. I'm just always studying and always imagining how or cover a route. I mean you guys seen that Stefan Diggs route that they posted and saying he's a good route runner. I've replayed that about 10-15 times. So I mean we, we might see it, we might not see it, but I know I imagine myself covering routes and different things like that. This defensive backfield, man, is going to be fucking fantastic this year. Fucking fantastic. And again, compare it to last season. Mm-hmm. So right. that's the point. We should be better. Mm-hmm. We should be better. Fields is going to be better. The coach is better. The offensive line should be better. He sands the, the finger, Lucas Patrick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the wide receivers we've talked about are better. The secondary is better. This team should be better, Aldo. Mm-hmm. It, it will be better. The numbers back. The, the 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 thing that I'm worried about is that they could be better, but not have uh, much of an improvement in their one loss record, which won't be the end of the world. It just means that- yes, it will be. <laughs> yes, it fucking will be. <laughs> I love the way you think. <laughs> I'm going to be 42 in October. Oh God! How many seasons I have left, man. Let's win now. You're you're old enough to be my son. <laughs> well, either way, I just 
fuck, man. I don't want to throw it. Oh, this season doesn't count. That that just pisses me off. And people. No, say I, I and I agree with you. Every season counts, and even if you if you don't have the horses to um to win a championship, it still counts because you got to lay down a foundation for success. You know, I know I'm sounding like Don Burr here <laughs> because he's always talking about you know they're plotting, they're 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 making all the right moves. But it does appear like the Bears, despite some bad luck with some of their moves, that, man, oh, man, this fucking draft class is so goddamn impressive. Uh, Brisker at safety. Uh, Kyler Gordon talking about playing the slot. I mean, he wants to play the slot. Kyler Gordon, a rookie, wants to – I got a soundbite somewhere that maybe I can share with you about that. But that is huge that you are getting a guy with the athleticism that Kyler Gordon has. If you remember when he was drafted, Kyler Gordon was asked, you know, what makes him so twitchy and so forth. His mom made him go to dancing school. He studied ballet and all that stuff. So he's got a gracefulness to his movement. Uh, Sounds like Lynn Swan. Yeah, that's a great comparison. That's a great comparison. Um, and so that g- gracefulness and movement and ability to mirror what somebody else is doing in a, that short space in that slot area is fucking huge. Um, let me see if I can find the soundbite. But are, you guys, I, I know Tooch has got to be as excited about uh, Kyler Gordon as I am. <clears throat> let me see if yeah. I can find that Loved soundbite. him coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, do, 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 do. I think I talked about him before. Uh the draft about how to say he'd be a good pick the second round mm-hmm. as one of the cornerbacks. So if we took cornerback, which was a good possibility, but right. All right. I think I found it. Let me uh, cue this baby up. <clears throat> this is defensive coordinator, <clears throat> Alan Williams talking about uh, Kyler Gordon. As I clear my throat and what the fuck did I do wrong here? Let us see. There he is. All right. Twitchy. Uh, he can. Uh, so he's asked to describe uh, a Kyler Gordon. He can change directions uh, and he has some size to him and he's a ball magnet. For some reason he's always around the football and he's around the football. And when he is, uh, he turns it over um, and he's he's smart. Uh, he uh, he gobbles up information. He. Uh, he's one of the ones that uh, that you like has good athleticism, but also has the will and the drive to uh, to to be a good player. So we're excited about him. He was in here the other day expressing his eagerness to play inside. How has that resonated with you? Just his want to and kind of his desire to be in the mix in the middle there. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. When when players want to do what you ask them to do, some guys are just compliant. They go, "Hey, <laughs> coach, I'll do anything you ask me to do." But when you're when you have a guy that wants to do what you're asking him to do, it get a little extra edge in terms of uh, how that guy performs. Gotta love it. Gotta fucking love it. You know, all these coaches really are impressive to me. Love all these guys. So much better than this- last season. Really? The special teams coach gave a little presser today too. I think right. I don't know his name, but he was impressive. Talk about how he, uh, how all the all the special teams dudes he learned from coaches and players. Mm-hmm. Talked about uh, his mentors and everything. Did you do you did you see that one? What I'm talking about? I did not, and I'm trying to okay. remember his name. About um, I don't know. His uh, name. It's hard to remember the names before the season starts. It truly yeah. is. Yeah. Um, 
And Scott's told me that he uh, last week when he attended the two practices, Richard Hightower. Richard Hightower. Uh, Richard exactly. Hightower. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's exactly. AKA what Bubba Smith. Yeah, that's right. Um, Scott's told me that last week. He says the biggest voice you'll hear out here uh, today at practice is Richard Hightower, the special teams coach. He is at the top of his lungs, yelling at players, firing people up. He's great to follow. And he was all the way from the other side of the field. I could hear him yelling at, at players. And, uh, so, yeah, he's he's could be a really special coach. You know, a lot of times we underestimate not only special teams play, but also the special teams coaches, because these guys have the ability to sit in on offensive meetings and sit in on defensive meetings, which is why so often you see we will see an interim coach if a coach a head coach is sick or suspended for a game, whatever. That so often we'll see the special teams coach uh, sit in, and so you want somebody with leadership capabilities who who can command the team. Uh, during that short amount of time that they're a head coach, and Hightower seems to fill the bill. Uh, impressive pickup. And the defensive coordinator, Mr. Williams, mm-hmm. it just, again, I'm not trying to kick the former guys, but listening to him, he just sounds, again, it's just my opinion, he just sounds so much more sure of himself than Sean Desai. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Desai was, it was, a, was a rookie coach. Well, this guy Williams is a rookie defensive coordinator, right? So, uh, so forget that. I want to answer last. He's the guy that you hire when you can't get anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think (laughs) Desai could actually become a a head coach in this league. I really do. I think he's very, very smart. Maybe he's not the leader of men that you would want to be a head coach. That's still to be determined because he certainly didn't fire up this defense in any way. So that that was concerning. But I think he's down the road. Yeah, maybe he'll turn out to be a decent coach. But I mean, like you know, like we can't get anybody else because everyone was lame ducks. Yeah, you know, true. nobody wanted to come in here. They had to promote Sean Desai. Yeah, you know? very true. It's like, yeah, why would I want to work for this fucking head coach? Right. Matt, <laughs> Matt, the writing was on the wall. Managhi and Pace were, were, were gone. <laughs> the bald fuck and the, uh, <laughs> the bald fuck. In on, I, I'll go to my grave saying this: he should have been fired after the New Orleans game when he was standing up there fucking smiling and shit when we had just lost a playoff game, and he's happy. Mm-hmm. What's this asshole smiling about? I mean, I guess he was just told he he was going to be brought back. That's Probably. the only thing I can think of. I just he 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 and Pace both should have gotten fired after the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. They, they they couldn't hire anybody, right? Although they were two years past their expiration date. In any case. Yeah, exactly, you know. Very true. I mean, and that's what one of the big issues that I've had with with this team for years. They are always out of sync. They bring in a rookie uh, quarterback the year before they're going to fire the head coach. They get rid of a pass-catching tight end just before he's going to start playing at a Pro Bowl level. They just always are doing things out of synchronicity, and good leadership, good management, good organizations always align all this stuff at the right time to give themselves a much better chance at success. The Bears have just never done that. I wonder if the Bears could have wasted Jay Cutler. Yeah, oh my gosh, yes. Perfect example. Um, last act yeah. about the kicking game, and I do have to say that I had the best seat in the house for watching Santos kick because he was kicking on the other field and he was booming them. He was hitting uh, 55-yard field goals. 
with ease. Uh, he he looks great. Uh, and I got to see a lot of uh, special teams drills. Um, and that really, really looks like they are spending time. Um, you know, there were some drills where they're just throwing a ball down on the ground and it, the ball would bounce all sorts of different places and stuff unpredictably. And they're just checking to see if the, if the players can react quickly. They would have drills where they're stri uh, stripping the ball and then another player comes up and runs it in for the touchdown. They were having all these drills that will pay off dividends in games in the future. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that the special teams could be among the best in the league. The new punter was booming them. He had a few bad pumps uh, that I, Oh, that's, that's a clunker. But there were a few punts that went easily in the air, 65 yards, and that was impressive. And the, the guy battling with him also hit some good ones. So, Am I an um, asshole for hoping that Patrick O'Donnell fails in Green Bay? No. Uh, in fact, you know, I like Patrick O'Donnell a lot. Lo loved him when the Bears uh, picked him up because he was such a sensational athlete. This guy at the Combine was doing stuff that, uh, you know, like defensive, uh, defensive backs weren't doing uh, in terms of some of the metrics. But now that he's with the Green Bay Packers, I hope he breaks his leg. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they're like, man, why did we sign this guy? He's had a terrible camp. We're letting him go. Yeah. He, he always took so long to get a punt up. I'm surprised stuff wasn't blocked that is more true. often with mm -hmm. Pat O'Donnell. But maybe we'll have a chance to block, uh, block one in a couple games this year. Yep. It feels like every playoff game in, in this century, not that we've had a lot of them, Mm -hmm. but Brad Maynard a couple of times, O'Donnell, it's like there's always a bad punt in the playoff game like where it's on the cusp where you're like, oh, man, we should go for it. It's fourth and one. Ah, oh, fuck, we're punting. And then they'll inevitably hit a 19-yard punt and like, oh, all we gain in field position, we should have gone for it, you know. But Maynard did that a few times and O'Donnell in, in the most inopportune times in postseason games. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah, the the new uh, special teams coach was talking about uh, Santos and Gill today. You know about uh, how they're working on uh, snap and hold for kicks, placement, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's one thing you have to replace O'Donnell because he was the holder that's yeah. right. on, on field goal kicks. So yeah, Dan you know, brought that's that up. Thing. O'Donnell, yeah. if I remember correctly, Dan, didn't you, you? You were saying, yeah, this concerns me because the holder is such a fucking. Crucial yeah, because Santos had been uh, performing well with O'Donnell as the holder. Mm -hmm. So now you're really starting all over. And mm -hmm. that's what we don't need as, a, as an organization with our field goal kicker. Mm -hmm. Yes, on Patrick Scales, uh, CJ Williams, he's still there and, and still doing the snapping, uh, long and straight snapping. So, um, and again, I will be out there again tomorrow. Is there anything special? You know, actually, what I'm going to do, I'm going to be on the Irish Bears show at 3 p.m. Central and share my thoughts mm -hmm. of what I saw at camp. And then uh, – Is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow, yep, yeah. uh, 3 p.m. Central. And then tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central, I'll be on the Mac and Reed show and have some video cut up for them based on the stuff I saw today and some of the stuff that I'll see tomorrow, hopefully, be able to include that and, and share that with them and also talk about – the time that I met Sierra, Russell Wilson's wife, she wasn't. Wow. Uh, yeah, she wasn't Russell Wilson's wife at the time. Uh, but um, I just want to describe the um, the incredible heart on I got as soon as, as, soon as I saw her. Uh, 
just one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in person. And there were a lot at this event that I was at, there were a lot of beautiful women, but Sierra was just like, everything went. So uh, they were talking about Sierra uh, last week's show. And so I just happened to mention that I had met her in person. So they asked me to come on and also talk a little bit of bears football. So yeah, I'll be on. uh, (laughs) She had a song back in like, Oh, four that had play on the radio constantly called one, two step. Oh, one, two step. step. That was a hit that she had circa Oh, four. Mm-hmm. That was just that's the only thing I can really recall having to play of hers in heavy rotation, but yeah, that she was she was over been, at one point, you know. Yeah, that might have been around the time that I saw her. She was doing an event for Ronald McDonald House Charities, and I was doing video tap, taping for the company on that. And uh, she walked into this Ronald McDonald House, and every every kid, I won't say this joke, to be bad, bad taste anyway. Um, so, uh be sharing some of that tomorrow. Um, you guys ready to talk about some other stuff other than oh, pro- I got one one thing before we pass the bears torch or put the bears to bed. Um, the just it looked like Luke Getze's got some designed run plays on the goal line for Justin Fields. So for for fantasy, man, that's gonna be you know, quarterbacks with uh, you know, a good amount of rushing touchdowns usually finish in the top. You know, tier of uh, fantasy mm-hmm. quarterbacks that definitely help you looking at draft. How many times did, of course, not here with the Bears, <laughs> but later in his career, how many times do you recall Doug Flutie on the goal line with the Bills scoring on a naked bootleg to like the left side of the end zone when everyone else is going right? Of course, we didn't do that with Flutie, but you know, I'm just uh, saying the reason I'm referencing Flutie is to what you're saying with Fields. I could see Justin doing that. I mean, easily. Yes. For sure. I am uh, sorry. I got distracted because I made a mistake on a comment. Well, that I if you weren't listening, I was just comparing how Flutie always scored on naked bootlegs on the goal line. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's something like that we yeah. could utilize with fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like they will be Danny, some designed rollouts on the, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, some uh, designed run plays, option plays. So uh, looking, uh, looking forward to that, you know, so, uh, no more, uh, Four four wide receivers on the one yard line and Cordell or shotgun. Patterson. Cordell Patterson, yeah, shotgun. Cordell Patterson, shotgun. Andy Dalton. I'll never, I'll never let that go. Two different times <laughs> in Week 18 last season in Minnesota, they had like fourth and one or fourth and a half yard, obviously at the goal, fourth down, and both times they're in a shotgun, and both times Dalton got sacked. Mm-hmm. That alone should have gotten Nagy fired. The dumb fuck never learned from anything. It's like, how many times can I, this play fail? Well, we're just going to keep trying because Andy Reid says it works. His ego was bigger than uh, bigger than uh, his his performance. You know, it's, mm-hmm. Right? It's, uh, his end performance. Yep, it really was. Yeah. Um, you guys want to talk some movies or anything else on your mind? I've got a topic that I want to bring up, uh, but I'll do so a little later. Uh, yeah, got Major League Baseball trade deadlines, big moves there. Man, looks like teams are going for it. Thankfully, the Cubs didn't trade away, you know, their core, a couple of their core players. Man, I, that, that was good news. I not to interrupt that. I have a football. I have two other non-Bears stories I'd like to talk mm-hmm. about as well. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Uh, well, the first one, uh, if I read correctly, Brian Flores seemed to win his case against the Dolphins, but. He made allegations that the Dolphins tried to make him tank 
as coach to get better draft picks. And right. if that was proven yeah. true, why weren't the the why wasn't the management of Miami suspended or something? Or they fined? Were, they were fined the they were fined two draft picks today. Oh, oh they really? were? Yeah, How the first round mean? 2024 or 2023 a first round and a third round pick. They were mm-hmm. fined uh uh the owner of the Dolphins was suspended for like a certain amount of games. Good. Yeah. Good cuz if you're trying to take $1.5 million fine, according to Hugh Heavens. Yep. And Outstanding. Uh, owner and strips yep. team of draft picks after tampering. Oh, man. I did not. Yep. I missed that. Yeah, and the second one I wanted to touch on was Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, it, it just feels like a lot of people are saying he should have been suspended the whole year, but the independent arbitrator who was a female mm-hmm. who did call him a predator – but mm-hmm. said that his uh, his attitude was nonviolent, and therefore it didn't meet the standard to suspend him for the whole year, which was interesting. So he got mm-hmm. six games. But the one thing I will feel bad for Watson on is, why wasn't this done last season? Especially when the Texans didn't let him play at all last year. So he lost a whole year, and now he's going to lose six games this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could have been done last year, is what I'm saying. And now Cleveland, who wasn't nice to us, as you know, mm-hmm. uh who are they going to play like, you know, for six games? Then they get, they gave up like five draft picks to get this guy. I just, fuck, man, it just, it feels like there's something that should have been handled last season, in my opinion. But are you, do you think the six games, uh, given that it's this year, do you think that's sufficient? Well, given that, again, the judge was a female and she ruled that it was, Nonviolent, and and with she called him egregiously distasteful and a predator and all this, and part of his sentence was that he has to go with if to massages the rest of his career all have to be from the NFL's team that he's playing with. He can't just go. That's the rest of his career yeah. as part of his agreement to be reinstated. So I don't know. I think six games is enough in that regard. That at least there was a female judge that ruled on it and stuff. But I just feel the only thing that's unfair, even if this guy's the biggest asshole and has this butthole fetish or whatever the fuck was wrong with him, oh, please tickle my taint, whatever the hell he's saying to these women, it, you know, he didn't play last season. Mm-hmm. And in, in theory, he's in his prime. It, it's hard to come back. Like, like we saw with Eddie Goldman. You know, you're a good player, solid player, you know, really good player, not great, but good and Watson, I guess, is you know is better than Goldman in his position. But I'm just saying now he's missed a whole season and now basically another half season. What if he gets hurt again when he comes in? Mm-hmm. And like like Cliff Victoria says, he wasn't even found guilty in a criminal probe either. So I, I guess the six games is fine, but it just it feels like it should have been handled last year. If this were our guy, of course, we wouldn't be defending all these allegations against him, and it would feel dirty but I would want it to have been over last season, especially when he didn't play all year. I mean, like, I think that that's part of it that no one ever acknowledges that like Houston didn't play him in preparation for some sort of suspension last year, which never came. Yeah. The weird thing about it is that, you know, he did not play last year, but he was paid. And now this year, he structured this new contract with the Cleveland Browns where he's only making like a million or two this year. So the money he'll lose during those six games is paltry 
it's it's hundreds of thousands of dollars as opposed to millions of dollars if he were to have been suspended in the second year of his contract. Clearly, you know, Watson's agent was very adept and very uh, astute at negotiating the contract in that way, knowing that his client was probably going to be suspended and lose some money. You know, all of this, most of the money has been deferred for the second year of the contract. Uh, some, some people will say, well, that helped him out in the cap. Perhaps, but it's still... Um, I would have preferred to have seen Watson, you know, uh, have to pay a, a considerable fine uh, than the suspension. Because, as you said, Dan, he was basically, you know, he, he didn't play a single game last year. That sort of acts as the suspension, but he had to. Um, Cliff says it's $1 million that he's, he's making this year. So I don't know what Cleveland did wrong, though. Like, I'm reading Jordan's remarks. I, I, what did the Browns do? They traded for him. None of this happened. All these accusations were while he was with the Texans. Well, uh, I think I don't want to answer for Jordan, but perhaps uh, people are upset that the Browns would even bring a, a person who has been accused by 22 women of this type of contact. Perhaps they're uh, uh, upset with the Browns that they would bring such a, a person into uh, their facility. And let, let's make sure, you know, when when Watson's agent said, you know, if a happy ending occurs, it's not my client's fault. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it of course is. Uh, I'm not saying that all 22 of these women, you know, were were saying the truth. Maybe some of them were lying. But when you get 22 women all saying pretty much the same story, then you got to wonder, you know, is this guy some type of sinister, you know, uh, sex addict that is taking innocent women uh, into unsavory places by asking them to, you know, fuck his butthole with their finger or jerk them off or whatever the hell he was asking. Aren't you glad now that the Bears didn't draft him? Yeah, I am. I mean, you know, who yeah, me knew? me too. I, I was never a f that big of a fan uh, to begin with. I was a Patrick Mahomes fan. I'll say it again. That's the me guy too. That was the guy I wanted to. For five years, we've heard, oh, the Bears should have drafted. If they didn't get Mahomes, they should have gotten Watson. You know, So we, we got Trubisky. So I'm just glad that you can put that to bed now. Yep. Didn't a judge, like some lady judge decided Watson's suspension. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Right, right The now. independent uh, judge, because the, the, the NFL wanted him suspended the whole season, but she ruled in his favor saying that even though he was morally reprehensible, uh, and a and a pervert, basically, he still didn't do anything violent, so it didn't meet that threshold mm -hmm. to suspend him for the whole season. Neither did Calvin Ridley. He got like what a year and a half suspension for betting on a game or something. Betting, well, look at Pete Rose. Right. Pete Rose is still right. not in the Hall of Fame, even though he's one of the greatest hitters in the history of baseball, if not yeah. the greatest. Just pure hitter, yeah. and and because he gambled. Mm-hmm. He fucking gambled. And it's not like he was gambling against the Reds either. He was putting all his money on them winning when he was manager. I mean, he wasn't throwing games is what I'm saying. Yeah. And let me uh, let me be clear about my Mahomes statement. I wasn't necessarily saying that the Bears should have drafted Mahomes at number three. I threw out some which which would have been uh, the the better move, but I was throwing out scenarios knowing that Mahomes probably was not going to go in the top ten. I was throwing out scenarios where – Trade down, 
You know, the the guy that I had them pick at number three, Jamal Adams, has been a good football player, but he even he was not worth the over the third overall pick. And Seattle gave up a ton to get him from the Jets. Yes, they did. I mean, he's a special safety, but uh, you know, we've got I think we've got a special safety on this team that was a second round pick, um, Mr. Brisker. But my thought was trade down a few spots and then pick up Mahomes. I mean, this guy is magic and i get it i know that he played with an offense that nfl defense uh the nfl coaches have not uh, uh, adapted that offense although now they have i know that there were mechanical issues and the bears don't have the type of coaching staff i've never had the coaching staff to help quarterbacks deal with throwing problems and so forth but this guy from what i saw with these two old eyes was magic fucking magic Scapability and, and a rocket arm, man. Dude could throw the ball, what, 80 yards? Jeez. From his knees. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would have taken him one overall. It's, I know uh, Shorty's giving me a hard time in the freaking chat room, but, man, I, I drafted him over and over and over again at three. Over and over. I didn't care. I didn't care if you could get him at, you know, in the second round. You know, that kind of talent. It doesn't – you can't you can't teach or coach that kind of talent. It's just mm-hmm. – that's just natural gift. Yeah, arm arm talent. Mm-hmm. Let me answer this text message. I got Vinny uh, Parisi is going with me to Bears camp, so I got to give him directions. <laughs> so I'll do that really? during. The- <laughs> At least I'm not giving him directions. I got all the la- lost last time. <laughs> we missed the exit because I was. Well, talking. That, <laughs> that, that was the case. It, it wasn't that you were giving me bad directions. Is that uh, my man Tooch beloved? <laughs> Of the conversion, so I'm listening to him, and what it tends to happen when I'm listening, I'm so focused on the exits. I'm five miles from past the exit. We had to backtrack like 20 miles. Uh, all right, talk Was that the same trip where you broke a bathroom toilet in a motel? Uh, in a hotel? No, I, I want to say that was the a year later. Yeah, that was a year later. Uh, that was when uh, a, a a woman used to work here at the bar room. Uh, the and, snake uh, story. Yeah, she's exact. <laughs> That's the best. I went to pick her up at her hotel. She was about a mile away from Bourbon. It's taking the Bourbon. I and I go knock on her hotel room. I really, really need to use a washroom. I need to take a shit. So I, <laughs> I take a shit. It was like little long snakes, you know, because. <laughs> oh. It's having some digestive issues. So I flush the toilet, and all of a sudden, the fucking water and the shit starts coming up. And I start <laughs> fucking panic. I'm like, holy shit, no. You, you keep saying snakes. This is a fact. Before Super Bowl 41, I was trying to chill and, like, just relax. What am I going to do? It's like it's like 1 p.m. The game's 5. I, I watched snakes on a plane before the Bears game. I love it. The Super Bowl. And uh, I kind of blame that movie. I've never watched it since. <laughs> like That movie's bad luck. Uh, yes. Don't ever watch that movie. Although it's a- like uh, Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber, although it's on the toilet. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Flush, you bastard. <laughs> of course, his problem, Jeff Daniels, was, was it was stopped up. <laughs> Didn't all those overflow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you imagine there's like six little uh, pieces of shit 
And so there's nothing in the bathroom to clean it with. So I got I got to tell the woman, hey, I, I had an accident here. Can you call up uh, room service or something? No, we need a mop. And no, let me see. Let me see. And I'm like, no, no I you didn't let her see, did you? No, you don't need to see. <laughs> and for context, I, in my opinion, I've taken a lot of heat for this. I find that lady to be extremely attractive. So. If you're going to show turds or fecal matter, as Johnny Depp would have called it, uh, the fecal-like <laughs> matter, uh, the fecal <laughs> to a woman you're attracted to, mm -hmm. although you were married, I'm just saying, to me, that would be devastating mm -hmm. to show a lady that I, I think is fucking hot. Oh, by the way, here's where I just shit in your floor. <laughs> like, that would be awful to me. Yeah, if it was somebody you didn't have any attraction to at all, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. I hope you smell it. It's nothing, baby. I just shit on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> that scene in, in, in Dumb and Dumber is so funny. Like Jim Carrey is like mixing up a drink with Turbo Lax. It was called Turbo Lax. Yeah. <laughs> He's like swirling it around. Oh, God. It's like one third of a <laughs> teaspoon for fast active relief, and he put half the bottle in that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what is Jordan saying here? He says, uh, "Don't get me wrong. Not, I'm not expecting Dan Alden Tukes to go deep on this, but too many are acting like the Dolphins news is nothing big. It is. What are we talking about? We are, we are. Uh, we've talked about it. Yeah, I said it was big. The fact that he was throwing games and uh, allegedly, and that seems they've ruled against the Dolphins management. So Brian Flores is vindicated here, right? Yeah." I, I I think so. Now I had not known the news. It happened. It was released at six ten p.m. Central Time. So I was prepping for the show. So I missed. Excuse me. I missed that. So I'm glad you brought it up. That's huge news. I'm huge. with Casey <laughs> the Phoebe Cates team, though. God damn. When Judge Reinhold's beating his dick to thinking about her getting out of the pool, that's that's iconic and hot as fuck, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. By the way, did you see this one, Dan? A uh, girl blew up in my bathroom one night and was in there crying because she couldn't flush it. <laughs> That's when you make her feel really special and that it's okay. And then maybe you get, you know, decent but blow no, job. But no rim job. <laughs> no rim job. But maybe she'll give you a great blow job, though. Because <laughs> you handled it so nicely and cool. <laughs> And Jordan is right. I think uh, I, I think we're all uh, in agreement here. Has, how does the owner get to maintain his job? And um, I because think he owns the team. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the issue. You know, what's his name? Uh, Goodell has said that he doesn't have the power to uh, get rid of an owner. That, that's something that all the owners have to come together on. So it's really uh, incumbent on them. On Jerry Jones. The only time I can really think of that was when baseball with Marge Shot, where they were like. You yeah. praised Hitler. You have to go. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. Yeah, so uh, definitely remember that. I hey, said um, some things against African-American players, Eric Davis and Dave Parker. So they yeah. were high salary inwards. So between that and her praise of Hitler, that was enough to make her forced to sell the team. But can you think of any other instance? I, um, I can't. Uh, well, uh, Donald Sterling. Oh yeah, the Clippers. Yeah, yeah there you go. Alas, just put it up. Um, yeah, he. Uh, what the hell was his? What happened with that? The lady that wore that visor that was fucking him. I oh, expected her to be some kind of star after that. Yeah, there was a Maybe good. Maybe porn. <laughs> it could be. Uh, there's a good thirty for thirty uh, on audio podcast about that. A five part series that I listened to on uh, driving somewhere. 
Um, and unfortunately, I'm not prepared to talk about it because my memory is just drawn a blank on some of the juicy stuff on that. But it was very well done by uh, what's her name, Ramona. Ramona. Anyway, one of the ESPN basketball uh, uh, reporters uh, did a good job on that. I recommend that. Uh, Jordan says, because this isn't just 21, although this goes back to 19 when Brady was a free agent originally. Yeah, where uh, they were promising Brady uh, ownership of the team and trying to learn so that they were clearly breaking rules. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I can't speak intelligently about this because I, I have not studied the, the stories that have come out, um, Jordan. So I'm going to leave that for you on tomorrow or Thursday night's episode of Bare Necessities. Um, and maybe the uh, maybe uh, Mac and Reed will talk about it tomorrow at 7 p.m. here on the bar room. Hey guys, I want to um, talk about something. I started the show saying that I had kind of a bummed out week, so I want to share why. Um, it actually involves uh, Jordan a little bit and involves uh, to a degree uh, Dan and Tooch, and uh, that has to do with uh, uh, Phil Atoshin and Shane Marsaw. Um, having a um a show on their patreon channel um a town hall show where there were i think the premise of that particular show was to answer questions about some of the drama that happened uh, over at their shop uh particularly revolving around berlissimo uh, oh, but yeah. in, in a show prior to that jordan had kind of called them out for saying, you know, why can't you just call, uh, you know, refer to Bellissimo by his name? Why do you have to try to disgrace him? And why do you refer to the Barroom Network as the other network? I think Jordan was trying to find out exactly, you know, what is it that you, what is wrong with you guys? Where are all of these relationships that you have, you have this kind of animosity towards them. So maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe that was the impetus for them doing this town hall. And so somebody uh, sent me a clip. It was actually sent to Dan Aguirre by someone. I'm not going to mention that guy's name because I know what Phil and Shane will do to that person. They will disgrace him. They will drag his name through the dirt for them sharing a Patreon product with somebody. But they shared it with Dan. Dan didn't, didn't get a chance to see it uh, but set because he was uh, traveling to his concert. He showed, sent it to me. And normally I have not I have not seen any Tate Never Lies stuff um, other than the first 10, 15 minutes of their first show because I wanted to see how they were going to address them leaving the bar room. And Shane said some things, and then when Phil started to talk, I was like, okay, I can't. So I, and these are about 15 minutes of it. Outside of that, I haven't seen any of their programming because I don't want there to be primarily accusations. Oh, they stole our idea. Um, and in fact, Dan and I kind of suspect, Dan brought it up first, that maybe they stole the idea of having Eric Kramer on their show because it happened the week after we did, and the way they publicized it made it seem like they were the first. Do I, do I have that right, Dan? Is, is that what an accurate? I, I, before I answer this, I, I, I got to give you a preface. Mm -hmm. Again, well, I was so down when I found your network in, with my personal life, and, and I... And I thank you and I thank Shane and I thank Phil because I was going through a lot of shit at the time and was very, very depressed. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ever say that I forget about that at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the guys. Again, Shane and I had some a situation where we were both unhappy with the other person. We were able to solve that. 
And same with, you know, Phil, I, I always like Phil. I've sent him games, you know, but I did think, cause they did share, it said something like, um, this great emotional interview with Eric Kramer, one of a kind, or I forget how it was tweeted. Mm-hmm. I have no animosity toward them, but mm-hmm. I just saw what, and when it aired like one week after hours, it's like, well, that seems like it was our idea because <laughs> it, you know, not to tug on my own cock, but you know, I went back and forth with his Twitter handler for like a week or two weeks before we could get that booked. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, that's the only time here that I've gone. It was me who kind of came up with uh, you know, the impetus for the interview. You've gotten Jim McMahon for me, you know, with Mike North and, you know, I'm just saying, but that was the time it was kind of me who was working on that, but, and it took a couple weeks to get it done. Right, right. So, and yeah, the next week they had him, which is fine. I mean, who's to stop Eric from doing interviews? Absolutely. Uh, we, 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 nobody owns uh, an interview, you know? Um, I was actually accused by somebody else of, you know, you're stealing my interviews. Like, first of all. <laughs> now, Laz says Eric was on the show first. That's not true. It was the week after hours. Yes. Because we talked true. about, I was like, God, they literally did him the week after hours. It was swear that's yeah. when it happened. Yeah, Laz, I have to uh, uh, dispute your recollection on that. Um, And and I I see a lot of people taking shots at Tape Never Lies on here, and and that's not what I want to do here. I have always taken the approach. Well, actually, that is what I want to do here, but I want to take the shots. I don't want you guys to take shots. Uh, I've always taken the approach since our negotiations ended um, that I was going to promote wherever they were. And I was going to speak positively about those two guys because, as I said on a show that I called Not 100 Proof, but they took exception to that title. I don't know why. It had nothing to do with them. It's, the show was not 100 Proof, and it was a clue as to that we would be talking about that. But in any case, as I said at the end of that show, those guys are excellent content creators. And I knew they were going to be successful wherever they went, whatever they did, because they're good at what they do. Now, when I first met them, they weren't. Phil knew football, but he was not a good broadcaster. um, Shane was incredibly nervous on his first show. So one of the things that they've never thanked me for is for giving them the platform and boosting their brands and boosting their careers. So, but that's not really where I wanted to go with this. What, What hurt me from the 35 minutes that I saw of this town hall was that at the end, Shane shit on something that I did. Um, his son went through some horrible. Can, can I jump in on this? Please. I want to defend you on this. And again, I was talking to Shane via text. Um, I think it, I could be wrong on the timeline. It feels like I was talking to him because Shane loves the Dodgers. He had that moment, you know, his, with his dad liking the Dodgers and you know, I think I was reaching out to him to tell him, like, I'm so happy for you and your dad winning a World Series, you know, as fans together. And I didn't know his, his son was sick. I, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't block Shane or any. I, I did when we were arguing back in the day. But I'm like, right now, I have no beef with Shane. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know his kid was sick. Maybe I don't know why it never hit my timeline. And uh, maybe he was, all, you know, already in remission. But I didn't know about it, period. So as soon as he told me, I told like, oh shit, Aldo, like his boy's sick. And you didn't know either. Didn't so know. I know that that's when you're like, oh, I want to reach out to him. So um, 
I'm not trying to disparage Shane in any way. I'm just saying, I don't think you did that disingenuously in any way. I just told you that I, I heard his son was sick and you were like, oh my God, I got to reach out to him. I don't think you did it. I can't speak for you, but I, I thought you were just doing it as, as a man to man, like, Hey man, I hope your son's okay. Mm-hmm. Because you just found out it for me. Right. And, and, and so I, I texted him because he, at the end of his show said, you know, I don't even know if that was sincere or he took a shot at me for sending him a note a couple of months or, or so after new, he released news of his son, son's health issues. So he took a shot at me saying, I don't even know if that's sincere or something like that. And as soon as he said it, I mean, there were other things throughout that first half hour that I was really hurt by that they said, because there were blatant half truths or untruths or, you know, or deliberate lies to try to make me look bad and to try to dismerch, besmirch the, uh, the barroom network. But that one really cut deep, you know, out of all sincerity, I'm sending him a text. I'll, sh- I'll fucking show it to you. I don't like doing this, but they put me in this fucking situation. Um, and this is emotional for me because I considered those guys my friends. We talked about lots of personal stuff, lots of personal stuff about the health of his father, the health of my mother, the problems that Phil was having, raising two teenage daughters along with twin sons. We were, as they said during that show, we were friends. We were, we would finish a show and off the air, love you, love you too, love you too. That was the type of relationship we had. But because we couldn't agree on value, we couldn't agree on value, and I can get into all that stuff, but I don't want to. We couldn't agree on value. Now, all of a sudden, I'm a fucking asshole. All right, I get it. You guys are hurt. I don't want to work with you anymore. I, I get it. But this is not while two fucking years later, and you're taking shots at me, and you're taking shots at my integrity? I'm, I'm no longer going to be a fucking nice guy about this. Fuck you, Phil, and fuck you, Shane. That's how I feel about it. But so I send him this text about his son hearing that I heard about it. And he conveniently leaves this part out when he recites it on his show. This is what I wrote on Sunday, October 3rd, Sunday, October 3rd at 7.45 a.m. Last night, Donna and I learned of Riley's condition. We'll be sending daily prayers for him and the family. He responds, thanks, Aldo. It's been a crazy couple of months, but we're taking our daily victories as they come. He's a strong kid, and we're going to beat this. I reply, for sure. If he needs anything, you know you can count on us. He left that fucking part out when he was telling his audience that he didn't know if I was fucking sincere. And he was also making fun of Christmas gifts that I sent the Marsaw family, I didn't send him the pizza pies. I didn't send him the Garrett popcorn. I sent it to the entire fucking family with a note saying, I know how much you guys sacrifice of your dad for working on the Barroom Network. And he takes a shot at that. Not that that's the big deal on this. Fine, you take a shot at it. But it just, it was a, an accumulation of things. And for him to end with this just shows what a low motherfucker Shane Marsaw is. That's how angry I am at him. And if he wants to come at me some more, then let's do it. Because I've got tons of other shit that I can share about Shane Marsaw's behavior and Phil Latoshin's behavior that will make front page news. I got shit on them. 
you know, the saddest part, the saddest part is I, I think all of you were better together than apart. I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that. I thought Hunter nope. Proof was fantastic, man. Nope. That show was, but our our relationship is not. It's not. It, it, what has happened since then has really shined a spotlight on their fucking behavioral issues. The fucking flat-out lying, the fucking flat-out bullying, the fucking flat-out thin skin, the fucking... Uh, it, they, they are a fucking mess and together they are worse. And I'm so glad that I'm now out of that relationship. When people all along were telling me, why are you with those guys? They're just, they're just tarnishing your reputation with some of the shit they say. I think our show is great. I think our show is great. But deep down, I did know that we were, we crossed the line a, a lot of times with some of the humor that we engaged in. And that I allowed, as the editorial director of the Barroom Network, I allowed to happen. And so I got to live with that. But I'm not going to live with what they are doing now. That is fucking bullshit. To take my, to call me a used car salesman, to call me a used car salesman is like unfucking believable. I, I, I can't. I'm going to stop now because I'm going to start sharing some of the shit that I, that I know that will people will say, holy shit, you know. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but if they're going to go back on their fucking network uh, and they're going to, if they're going to start talking about me again, then, then fuck it. I'm, I'm taking out the guns. As a Berlissimo is not, is not on TTL and NL anymore. Right. Is that why they had the yeah, I guess, part, of, part of the town hall or right. That, that I, I guess, cause they finished, talking about me, I assume, around 35 minutes because they did a segue to Berlissimo and then I turned it off uh, because I, I, I have not been following that situation, but apparently Berlissimo has left or was fired. I don't know what happened. But I, I did hear that portion. I can you give were, you a summary if you like. Sure. Yeah, I had a five-hour drive, so I listened to it. Um, allegedly, I say allegedly because I'm not involved in any of this, as you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And and I wish condolences to to Phil and 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 his kids. And uh, there was a death that was significant to him mm -hmm. that would have stung for anybody. Uh, his first wife. It doesn't matter what happened; it's none of my business. But she passed on. And at that time, uh, from this is from what they were saying on the podcast, which I have no reason to disbelieve, but I I, I don't want to say it's truth because I'm not there. Uh, but so allegedly. At the time, like Berlissimo, it was said that George kind of um, didn't want credit a lot of times. He'd say it's all about the fun of, of everything, and but secretly he did want the This is what they were saying, that secretly he did want that, but he didn't want to come out and say that he wanted praise, but he secretly wanted it. And so, and he was doing, you know, they were pissed because he was promoting things on his own page instead of under the flag of, of, uh, tape never lies but when phil's um, ex-wife uh, had died they expected him to step up and and because he had personal stuff to take care of and that's understandable he being phil and uh, according to their story george uh just was like okay you know what i'm quitting like at a time where they needed him because phil's uh, ex-wife mm -hmm. had passed on and uh and it was like like a day or two after like the it had happened and phil just couldn't work Mm -hmm. So they took that as being a deep cut and, um, 
ultimately he said that he was too busy. He being George in his life to even do this kind of shit anymore. And then they alleged like four days later, he was doing it again on his YouTube page. Mm -hmm. So they felt the whole thing was disingenuous and uh, selfish that I'm not saying this about George. This is what was said on their show. I'm sure he has his own side of the story as I keep saying, mm -hmm. but, uh, and they, they said that he wanted to go out and have a show and market it as George's last show. And the, just the timing, all this was really puzzling considering what happened with Phil. That's what they were alleging at the time. Yeah. And I wasn't looking at you all. I saw a gesture. Did I step over the line by telling no, you this? No, I just, uh, uh, life with the M says a uh, laugh out loud. Is this a hate TTNL show now or what? No, that's not. No, what no, no, no. I just told you, I don't want any heat with them at all. And in exactly. fact, I gave them credit for helping me during a bad time. And like I said, Shane and I made up and, and I made games for Phil and, and, and looked up to both of those guys. So I have mm -hmm. nothing. I'm not here to, to bitch about them. I'm just telling you, I listened to that where they said that's the reason they told George, you know, fine, you want to go, just go. Mm -hmm. That was their side of it. He's George is a good guy for my seat, so he's got his side of it too, but I don't know what his side is, but I'm just telling you that was what was broadcast. Right. And I don't mean that with any animosity toward anyone. <laughs> I, I, again, I say this and I sound like a fucking late 60s hippie here or something. But I, I feel like it's better for everybody if we're not fighting. I, you know, I so. totally agree. I totally, and that's what I want. I've wanted I know, I know. And but these guys just keep coming at me. It's like they're fucking needling me, and I now am, am in this position where I have to defend myself. I had a discussion with this with my wife, and uh, she's don't talk about it. I just let it go and so forth. I'm like, well, you know, they're fucking disparaging my character in a way that is something that I just can't turn away from. You know, what happens if my daughter meets somebody else? Oh, yeah, my, my dad does this Bears barroom thing, uh, you know, barroom network, and the, that person says, oh, yeah, I heard your dad's a fucking asshole. You know, these guys, Phil and Shane, are saying, do I want that reputation? When, in fact, what I've done is nothing but be kind to these guys. You know, I didn't want to go here, but when fucking Phil Atoshin came to Chicago... He came into my home. I fed him. I fed him from my kitchen. I took him to restaurants. He didn't pay for a fucking goddamn meal. We, we had an outing at a hamburger joint downtown. A bunch of barflies were there. Uh, Tooch was there with his family. When the bill came, I paid for the fucking bill. I treated him like fucking royalty. And yet, here's another thing, too, that, that really fucking got my, 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 my gall uh, with what Shane said. Shane said, you know, uh, after the, uh, the uh, negotiations were over, Aldo called me and we had a shouting match. And during the shouting match, Aldo said, did it ever, did it ever occur to you to help pay for some of the expenses of the barroom network? And then Shane says with his fucking bravado, hey, I work for the federal government. I deliver mail for them. They pay me. Well, see, me, you're not the smartest guy because – that's the difference between being an employee and being an owner. If you want to be an owner of an organization, you have to assume liability and some of the cost involved with it. I never fucking asked you for a penny during the five years we worked together on the barroom. Never asked you. But I always wondered, you know, I would see this guy and what, what he told me when, when uh, what he told me during that discussion when we were yelling at each other, he said, Aldo, 
uh, Elon, excuse me, and I didn't mean to say his wife's name. Um, my wife and I don't have the same kind of money you do. And I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't say anything, but the guy's got a fucking new truck. He, he drives a boat on the lake. He's got to have some money to at least pay the, the fucking internet bill, you know? Um, but I didn't say anything. But then he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that in his podcast that people are paying for. He doesn't say that, that that's what he told me. He just puts on the bravado. Yeah, fuck, they fucking pay me. I don't get the fuck out of here, dude. Get the fuck out of here with your fucking lies. They're lies and half truths. And again, I am fucking warning them. If they're going to continue this, I never want to talk about them or their show again. I, what I want to do is I want to applaud their success. I want to say you should check this out on TTNLO. That's what I want. But if they're going to take shots at me, then there's a word in Spanish. Puerto Ricans use it a lot. Pendejo. I'd be a fucking pendejo to be applauding them and telling people, no, they work at TTNL now, when they don't even have the decency to say the name of this network or to recall any of the fun things or good things that we did together. Is that word the same one that Cheech was telling Chong to use yes. in Up and Smoke and pissing people off? Yes. <laughs> and he didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> so this is why my wife didn't want me to talk about that because she knew I was going to get upset. And Tooch knew it too. He's, he's Tooch just thinking. That's why I brought up Cheech and Chong to calm you down. <laughs> Thank you. Dad. That's all right. I, this is like hundred a hundred proof for me. You know the show. <laughs> you know we talk about dance, sex, life, and pornos and bears. <laughs> But I do, I want to reiterate that. I do want nothing. I said this on the Not 100 Proof show when they left. I said it at the end. I was going to actually pull the clip up. I said it at the end. I want nothing for but success for these guys. I know the challenges that they had. I had not heard about uh, Phil's uh, ex-wife dying, and I'm, I'm crushed by that because Phil shared personal stories about his relationship with this woman and the relationship of his daughters with their mom and so forth. And to find out that she's now dead, I'm sure that is fucking devastating for poor Phil. But yeah, I can't, right. I, you know, but I, I can't accept the fact that Phil is kicking me in the nuts for something I don't deserve to be kicked in the nuts. And he keeps bringing up this, you know, that I took down all the tape never lied stuff in the barroom network. His fucking negotiator told me, take them down. So I took them down and I told Phil that, but he doesn't accept that. He thinks that I'm lying. Fucking ask Jim Larison. Ask Jim Larison, because if Jim says anything other than that, then he's a fucking liar. Another thing that pissed me off is that Shane said, I think the negotiations went downhill once Donna, Aldo's wife, got involved. Fuck you. The negotiations went down when you brought in Jim Larison to do the negotiations. What, you know, I, I thought those guys told me we're bringing Jim Larison in as and I'm going into all this stuff and I promised myself I would. But uh, they said, yeah, we're bringing in a mediator, Jim Larison. Oh, that's fucking great. This guy's made millions of dollars. He used to be in the porno business as a producer. He's fucking, he's, he's now has another million dollar business. It would be fucking great. Mediator. What, Siri, what is a mediator? Here's what I found. Oh, no, don't fucking find it. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> Hold on a second. Siri, what is a mediator? 
Here's what I found. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> mediation, <laughs> mediation is a structured, interactive process where an impartial third party assists disputing parties in resolving conflict through the use of specialized communication and techniques. So after the first meeting, I'm excited. I tell uh, Donna, yeah, I think this is going to be good. Jim came in. He said this. He said that and so forth. And Donna, who has negotiated multi-million dollar contracts with the, the top hotel chains in the United States, she says, are you sure he's mediating or you might want to ask him that at the start of your next meeting? And so I did. And he goes, no, I'm here representing Phil Shane. And that changed everything. That changed everything because it became adversarial. You know, uh, this wasn't him trying to help me, Phil and Shane achieve our dream of building and monetizing the barroom network, it became, you know, us versus them. It became adversarial. So they don't say that. They, they instead want to blame my wife for ruining the negotiations. Fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to get it off my chest. I didn't know about the town hall, so I, I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know that your wife was involved. So all this is new to me to a certain degree well and, I, and there's a tons of stuff that i keep private you know about my personal life my mom right now is fucking dying she's fucking dying so i needed this like i need a fucking hole in my head i haven't been telling any people about the bar room about what's going on in my personal life i like to try to alleviate other people's stress and not share with them my stress and in fact i would rather hear what's going on in your life to see if there's any way that i can help whether it's with a kind word or maybe a, a nickel or a dime or whatever is, is, is the case. But this is, I didn't, I, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because when I learned of it, what was it, Wednesday when you sent me this, uh, Dan? When um, I learned yes, because last week uh, we were doing the show and George was uh, commenting something like uh, cult members or something. And I was like, my God, we didn't say that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that he was even gone from over there. So at the time, I didn't know what that what that quote or what his uh, comment meant at all. Yeah, I, I had to piece it together, Danny, because I know Joe. I know George personally. You know, I, right? I, George is the one that introduced me to Barroom. I've been to George's house in England, and wow, uh, that's we're amazing. very good that. friends. Yeah, I like so him too. So I, I immediately kind of understood what George had said. You know that. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't. I truly didn't. And then someone responded to me via Twitter and said, well, watch this clip and you'll know where it all comes from. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I sent it to Aldo, uh, as a way of saying like, Hey, you know, this is what he was talking about. But at the time, unbeknownst to me, all the other stuff was there at the time. It was just a, like a clarification on what was up with George, mm -hmm. but then the, all the rest of that was on there. And we didn't even know that is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, and Jordan I mean, doesn't need to apologize. Jordan, yeah. apologize. you don't need to apologize. Jordan, when he first came on board, he says, do you mind if I go on some of these other shows? Like I go on Tape Never Lies and stuff. And no, Jordan, I don't mind. I, I don't. I don't. I want to have a, a civil relationship with those guys. And so I've been treating them well since day one. Uh, not taking any pot shots or anything, but today – I just had to let it let it go because since I learned about this on Wednesday, I fucking I, I I've been somewhere else. I, I I'll I'll take a nap and wake up and the first thing I'm thinking about is how should I respond to this? These guys are just dragging my name through the dirt. 
unfairly with a bunch of fucking lies. They're not keeping it 100. They're barely keeping it 10 or 20 when it comes to this subject anyway. And what's, again, so unfortunate is the product was so good with you all together and combined the fact that we're all just Bears fans anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be one thing if they were Packers fans, and I'd say, yeah, fuck them, you know, but we're all on the same team, sort of. Yes, but exactly. yeah, the, so yeah. Jordan looks at it, and that's one of the reasons I love Jordan is because he says uh, it's something that has been my philosophy. I would love to start a corporation with everyone that's involved with Bears Podcast. We'd be fucking bigger than ESPN. Just get everybody together. Let's all put our talents together, our love of this team. Let's all figure out a way to work together, and we'll be a fucking powerhouse. But of course, egos get in the way. It doesn't happen that way. Who's going to be the leader and stuff? So, but Jordan, you know, has that idealistic vent that I do, um, and we, we want to have a good relationship. Hey, Matthew Fortesi yeah. just pops in. He says, "Hey, what's up, Mauro? What's going on, guys?" I, uh, <laughs> I understand. I'm, I, I'm still friends with Shane and Phil, and I enjoyed all the good times we had and stuff. So I don't want to be. But who has a town hall on a show? <laughs> What? Just yeah, I, on an entertainment show. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm well, not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I. Well, just to be fair, just playing devil's advocate. If that's on their Patreon, someone could have asked them the question. I. I don't know. I. I don't know the full context, but in theory, Patreon people are paying too. So if right. they asked them to talk about it, maybe that's why they brought it up. I don't know for sure. See, but, see, but the problem that I have with that then is that they're then monetizing picking on me they're monetizing dragging my name through the dirt they're monetizing lying about me that's that's I mean, what i see your me. point i mean i'm i was just trying to play devil's advocate no and i appreciate that dan i always appreciate when you play devil's advocate or 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 anyone you know tries to point out something to me i will definitely weigh it um and sometimes I'll react negative to negatively to that but I'll, i will think about it afterwards and if i'm wrong i'm wrong in this case, I just feel like they're not behaving civilly. That's the nicest way I can put it. The other way I put it earlier in the show, they're fucking assholes. <laughs> but I wish them well. I really do. I really fucking do. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, how much more time do we have? Here? I need to go. I didn't want to just abruptly interrupt you and say, hey, man, I got to go. I was actually going to type it in the group there, but. I do need to go. I'll, I'll say my final comment again on them. At the time, I was too sensitive, and we were watching that Redskins game in 2019, and you know, Shane was just hitting me with some jabs that I thought were jabs in the in the text group. Mm-hmm. And as he told me later, like, dude, I didn't mean all that personally. I was just busting your balls, and I did take it too personally. And we were pissed off at each other for a little bit. We got over that, and I'd like to think I don't have any heat with him at all right now, and I hope that's the same. And with Phil, man, when Phil was gone from – because, you know, there for a while, Shane was here without Phil. Remember, Phil had a controversy, which I'm not trying to bring up. And Heidi and I were doing spots, like bring back Phil, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just just trying to, like, not let him be forgotten, you know, and and just kind of make it fun. And so I'm saying I was a fan of the guys, and I'm saying so I tried to help him even – when he was going through hard times there, so to speak. And as did I, as right, did you I. know, so he, he was fired from the USA today. Uh, uh, and he, uh, came back. He had left the bar room to work at the USA today. He came back in tears because he, he loved that job. He loved the opportunity of going to press conferences and blah, blah, blah. 
came back and I said, hey, with open arms, brother, with open arms. And then with the other scandal that happened, we won't go into that. Uh, he cried when he had to leave. I cried when he had to leave because I could see how much it hurt him. Uh, and then when Shane had the idea, let's bring him back, I brought him back. But all that stuff, all that goodwill is fucking forgotten because I didn't value them at the same price that they valued themselves. How silly is this? This is not right, man. Hey, go save some lives, Dan Aguirre. Again, I, I'll say to the day I die, you all had a great show. I'm sorry it didn't work out. And I don't know. I hope that we can entertain people and, and what we do now, me, you, and Tooch. So. Hey, Bill Cosby had a great show, too. Who knew that he was fucking everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Danny. I love Good you. Night. I'll see you all later next week. Take care, brother. <laughs> I'm sorry I put a gloom on this show, man, but it just I, I just had to let it out and I wasn't even sure how I, I was, was unaware of all of this. So yeah. I I just I don't have time to watch a lot of shows. You know, I mm -hmm. like I did I did catch Greg Gabriel's uh show here, you know, if uh mm -hmm. if I have a chance, but uh you know, I I, I I I you know the marketing group that I had worked for that built my Twitter account for sports wagering, you know. Mm -hmm. Like they fired me and then they I, I, they brought me back. So like recently they're like, hey, we want you to come back and join the team. With, and I enjoy being on the team with all the other handicappers and stuff. So I've, that's been taking up a lot of time, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I've got to do like a free play every day. If you're following my Twitter account, you'll you'll notice I'm, I'm posting a lot more. You know, uh, I said I was done with baseball. You know, I saw that. <laughs> but, man, I'm like, uh, I mean, my free play one tonight is Dodgers first five on the money line. So excellent, <laughs> uh, doing pretty well, actually. And last night, my, and then they had, you know, they, I have to pick games. You know, my card last night was four and one. I actually played my card. You know, usually I'm like, oh, it's baseball. I'll, uh, you know, I'll maybe play one play or, or zero plays or whatever. I played. I played my card last night because I liked last night, and I went four and one and made like I think I made like 140 bucks last night. So gro groceries for the week, you know. Yes, uh, indeed. But uh, yeah, as uh, uh, tonight the the Dodgers uh, first five innings on the money line with minus 130. That was a winner again. I've had some good plays recently. Last night was the only one I, I lost in a, in quite a while. So uh, back with the team, you know, Anthony, and uh, he's the one that talked him into bringing me back. So. I'm trying to get to 5,000 followers. I'll have a little bit more influence. And then uh, there's some great folks on the team, you know, like uh, over and under girl who, you know, she's got a big following uh, and uh, you know, a couple of great handicappers like G dog sports and proven winners and uh, 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 Wu Tang VIP sports and Anthony, of course, pounded sports and all of us, you know, and David Bierman from ESPN as well. Mm -hmm. uh, who gave me the uh, the winner for like golf? Like I say, I, I will wager on golf because, like I said, top ten or top twenty—that's like free money for me. I just follow David Berman's picks. He's like Cameron Young to win. I go, I'll take him top ten and top twenty. He finished third. Boom. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> and you know, hoping to bring Anthony on on barroom maybe like on a Saturday morning or you know doing some college football. Uh, if I can, you know, talk him into it, uh, you guys would get a kick out of Anthony. He's fun. If you like baseball cards or football cards, stuff like that, he's really into that opening him and Sean Higgs open up baseball cards on YouTube and stuff. So <laughs> they love that. And, uh, you know, uh, having a good time with the, uh, 
the Twitter handicapping. But uh, also, I saw Uncharted. Oh, what'd you think? Hey, by the I, way, before I, you give a review yeah. on that, I just want to thank uh, everybody in the chat room with the, all the nice things that they're saying about me and for allowing me to vent, and for uh, uh, understanding why I vented. Uh, uh, and again, I don't want to ever do this again. My my job here is to entertain, to inform. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. And again, I wish TTNL the very, very best, but I don't, I will no longer turn the other cheek when they pick on me and my family. Well, I won't do it. So well, how would you think about the movie Uncharted? I really liked it. I mean, uh, that's just, uh, I love those kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, what is it, National Treasure, Sahara type movies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my wife and I just needed something like that just to, for a fun night, get the popcorn out. Exactly. You know, uh, I, I'm, I like Mark Wahlberg, man. I'm a huge fan of like Ted, you know, the, the Ted oh, movies. One of the funniest Under movies of all time. Underbody's forever, you know, and, and uh, you know, Mark Mark Wahlberg is always. And it's not gonna be like you know a super serious movie or something else, but it's gonna be an entertaining movie, you know. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought Tom Holland was really good too, and uh, I forget that it's like it, is it Dan? That's Dan's girlfriend that's in the movie, right? Oh yeah, Anna De Armas, probably one of the most beautiful actresses out there, right? It truly is, truly is. I watched her in that Keanu Reeves movie where she and her, yeah, uh, co-star, uh, basically, yeah. on a rainy night they stop at Keanu Reeves' home. Yeah. His yeah. wife and kids are out of town. He's he had to work during the weekend, and they they stop at this house. They destroy they just, him. They destroy, <laughs> destroy him. him. That's right. What an odd role for him, too. I forget who the director was of that movie, but that was such an odd role for him. Yeah. It made me, his, his character made me so uncomfortable because, not just because it's Keanu Reeves, but because of the character of the guy, you know, the, the, right. you know, the way that the dude was, but you're used to seeing Keanu Reeves as like a hero all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And this one, he was just a, you know, a douche. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he really fucking was, and, and they were not the innocent uh, ones either. And they they played well, those roles. Uh, I forget. Was it Dirty Pretty Liars or Dirty Pretty Things? Was what was the name of the movie? I can't remember. Yeah, the name of it. I was actually just about to start looking for it. Keanu Reeves and what's her name? Anna. Anna De Armas. Yeah. Knock knock. Two thousand. Knock knock. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. they knock knock on his door. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend I, uh, I got a feeling that most of the people who are in the chat uh who have been here for uh for years and uh for or weeks and getting to know your taste i, I bet you cliff and nomad and for cheesy i bet you guys will like it knock knock with keanu reeves but the one you just saw with diana you like that one right with uh, uh, uh the, the, uh uncharted yes no no you you mentioned that you saw something else with anna Deveris. Oh, uh, she was in that uh, movie with Ben Affleck. Yeah, uh, and that, deep, it was, deep water. Deep water. And you like she that? Was, she had destroyed him also. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a killer movie. Yeah. He's a modern Another, day Fatal, huh? Yeah, an, uh, an odd role for Ben Affleck, too, where he was the douche, also the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I saw uh, Bill, Bill Burr live at Red Rocks, which I re highly recommend if you haven't seen it. It's like, it's like a throwback to like the George Carlin. Uh, stand up where he's really at the top of his game, you know. Uh, have you seen Have you seen Netflix uh, Bill Burr live at Red Rocks? Mm -hmm. Really funny. It's just, it, it, I mean, it, he's just kind of, he's just really at the top of his game, man. Comedy. It's just great. He's 
you know, you're really getting inside of his head and stuff, you know, the self-deprecation, the psychology, mm-hmm. uh, all of it, man. It was very funny. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time, but yeah. It's yeah great. I'll uh, definitely look for that. Bill, And you know who Bill Burr is, right? The comedian? Uh, fucking awesome. Okay. It's fucking awesome. And in fact, it's weird because on my uh, YouTube page, a lot of little clips of him have them coming up, and I, I, I want I, I'm guessing that's probably from Red Rock. Yeah, um, it just came out. I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so that has yeah. to be the case there. So he, one of the jokes is that he he goes off on uh, uh, the whole WNBA. Does he talk? Yeah, about that, that was hilarious. Oh yeah, you, you can say that. <laughs> that's. Yeah, that's- that's probably the best little segment is like the, the WNBA, man. I don't want to give any of away, man. The, the whole riff, uh, you know, the whole riffing on WNBA is hilarious. I'm yeah. Turn off the fucking thing, though. <laughs> I can't turn on my flashlight. <laughs> you got a new operating system on iPhones, and it's just fucking throwing me for a curve, man. And, you know, uh, Aldo, my, uh, my wife had never seen the movie 48 Hours. You know, it was like Eddie Murphy's. Nick Malte? Eddie Murphy and Nick Noss. I tell you, it was Eddie Murphy's first movie. She loved it. She was like, it's so good, man. I was like, well, it's a classic. You want to watch it? You know, I think, well, I don't know what this was really late at night after the kids had gone to bed, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and yeah, it, it really is a classic. Yeah, it really is. I saw it uh, probably about three months ago. It was yeah. part of in the middle. Uh, 40 after- year anniversary for that film, 1982. Oh, so 40 yeah. years ago. Walter Hill uh, directed yep, Walter Hill. Shot it with his great style. It feels like yep. a neo-noir comedy and uh, yep. really good. And and that was, wasn't that Eddie Murphy's first film? Eddie role? Murphy's first movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did a, yeah. And uh, Leo says Jordan uh, Peele has a new horror movie out. Has anybody watched it? No, but I definitely want to. Jordan Peele has like so quickly become a, a, yeah, a master filmmaker. You got to watch his stuff. Yep. Uh, so definitely we'll watch that coming up. I'm trying to think of anything I saw of note. Uh, can't think of it. Um, but um, they were talking in the chat room about the bear on Hulu, which is that the Mr. Beef uh, Orleans uh, mm-hmm. restaurant show, which uh, my brother keeps telling me you got to watch it. And I just haven't had time. You know, I, mm-hmm. I need a new series, though. But I mean, like like the Game of Thrones prequel starts up in like three weeks and then you got the lord of the rings prequel starting in september it's Mm -hmm. like i mean i know i'm gonna have some shows and stuff but uh i'm gonna have to get in on that one Mm. uh for just joined us and he's asking if there's any new news on um tevin jenkins he likes beer (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like a lot of beer (laughs) but no uh lester wolfong uh recorded on uh on Tevin Jenkins and not a lot of new news, but did share this tweet that yeah. Tevin Jenkins responded to saying that he is good. Don't believe everything you read. So uh, we will see. It is a mystery. It's uh, the bears have with Ro- Roquan and then Tevin <laughs> Jenkins. So many mysteries. It's like, what the fuck? Typical bears off season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? you know, don't you think that's something? I, I don't know how old Tevin Jenkins is. I think he's young. He's quite young. I mean, I think yeah. he's like, what, 21, 22? 22, I believe. That kind of yeah. seems like something a, a young kid would say. They don't believe everything you read, like trying to cover <laughs> up, you know, whatever the hell's going on and stuff. You know? have that feel to it, yes. Yeah, a know. little bit, a little bit. You know, it's like, you know. <laughs> I, I hope that he's well, and it's just, you know, you would think, I, I don't know. I, 
I, I hope he's well, and I hope that he is not being the asshole he's being depicted by some people with their insider reports and, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Did, did you talk with Greg Gabriel, like kind of maybe off camera, some stuff, uh, <laughs> anything you can share about Devin or no? No, um, he really didn't. He, although he said that he was going to work the phones and try to get more information. And as you noted earlier, uh, he just released an article on Windy City Gridiron. So I haven't had a chance to read it uh, because I was at camp all day. But I will definitely uh, read that later tonight or tomorrow and uh, get Greg's take on what some of the other GMs and player scouts and stuff are saying about him. Um, maybe it's maybe he's got COVID like J2K, maybe, you know. Maybe. Man, I, I tell you, the brain fog of COVID is real. I had it, man. I'm just like, i forgetting shit. I can't, you know, what the hell? I, well, like, I'm walking around. It's like Saturday, my wife and I went to the Filipino uh, pig roast in Des Moines. Nice. And, and uh, I was out in the sun for four hours. I came back. I was like, I was like a fucking zombie. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I was so tired. I was like jelly. My body was like jelly. My brain was dead. Fucking, it was like a hundred degrees out. Mm. You know? so yeah maybe it's just something like that you know maybe it's got the covid brain fog i uh you know you describing how i felt after a massage i got on monday man i was wobbly jelly legged yeah i was sore i was foggy <laughs> mine just saw foggy but i don't think this is uh a- kiara and Ciara and uh, uh deshaun watson there <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> I wish Yara was. Gosh, what a beautiful woman! <laughs> Unbelievable. You ever seen a woman like that, Tooch? And you say she should be a movie star, a model. This is like one in a million. Yep. So, yeah, for sure. Like Anna Darmus. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, if the bar barflies haven't seen her yet, man. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Please do. Um, Hugh Heavens is saying something that David Kaplan said. Uh, the O line coach. Uh, and Tevin Jenkins are clashing that he's immature. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, Kaplan's recap show where he recaps stuff that's happening with the Chicago Bears. It's on his YouTube channel. It's nice little kind of concise 15, 20 minute reports. And I saw Kaplan talking about that. And Greg Gabriel said that he had not heard any of that. Uh, he's not disputing Kaplan's report, but that he had not heard any of that. So uh, who knows? You know, who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. he did something like broke protocol or something like for COVID or whatever. Or did you know? Maybe he got COVID. Didn't tell nobody. He had symptoms or I don't mm-hmm. know. Could have jeopardized the whole team. Maybe they're pissed off. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. But um, I think we'll yeah, uh, pull Cap, the plug. Uh, Cap and uh, I think Barrelissimo was getting into a little bit with Cap about this too. But I mean, this would support my theory that it's like a 21 year old kid, you know, just isn't adapting well to professional football life. With you, that's what it seems like to me. I, I'm just, you know, I like to read between the lines. So yeah, you know, and I thought that maybe it was, um, you know, this whole hits theory. Maybe he he was uh, called out for. For some lazy work and stuff and you know when they call you out uh sometimes it's not private a lot of times it's in a yeah, meeting yeah. room and stuff and so perhaps he if he is immature perhaps he didn't like the offensive lineman calling him out um or maybe it's just something a lot simpler it could have came in hung over like j2k says came in with the hangover got called out and got benched and isn't taking it well yeah 
we were up at the top, very top row of the stands today over at Lake Forest, Cox and I, and uh, I, t- I turned around and looked behind me and there was just lots of land with lots, lots of vegetation and big bushes and so forth. And I go, wow, they got a lot of land here. And then I, I told Scott, hey, is that Tevin Jenkins drunk with a bunch of beer cans in the bushes? <laughs> it, it sure is pretty up there at Hell's Hall, man. Oh, they they got gorgeous. a beautiful facility. It is gorgeous. I've never been there, but I mean, it looks beautiful from your pictures and videos. Oh, man, oh, man. I, I, I hope you can come down, uh, if not this season, then next. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to, to go over there with you. Uh, it yeah. is gorgeous. Definitely yep. gorgeous. A totally different experience than than um, Bourbon A with, uh, you know, in, ter- in, in terms of scope. Do you remember the 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 souvenir shop at Bourbon A? Yeah. You know, it was probably I want to say eleven hundred square. No, maybe fourteen hundred square feet. Yeah. And today they have a little tent with souvenirs. Like I I can't believe. I mean, they must have sold. $50,000 worth of stuff on weekends at Bourbon A, and yeah. they're probably now selling $5,000. Um, so I'm surprised they would make that move just from a, a – Just like a little, a little tiny tent? A little – well, about like – two Enough for two people, two lions or something to walk up and – About 600 square feet okay, is what so I would maybe, yeah, Okay, so like a, pavil- a larger pavilion tent? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Just uh, to me, I was amazed that that's all they had. And they didn't have, you know, at that Bourbonnet shop, they had, you know, stuff that clearance stuff from the 1970s and 80s. None of that. It's like uh, more evidence of my theory that the Bears do everything wrong, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> just like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just rent a little tent. What the fuck do they need, man? Throw some jerseys out there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I I thought a similar thing. It's like leave it to the Bears to take a great uh, camp experience and reduce it to kind of a ma and pa operation. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's like are they, they you know they build the what they build the Lake Forest new facility and stuff. I think when Ryan Pace oversaw that, right? Didn't mm-hmm. he? Yep. Building the new thing. It's like he Ray Pace fucking forgot to put a fan shop in there. You know? It's like, what the fuck? We gotta rent a tent. Go who's got the Menards card? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh Lord. All right, let's get out of here, man. Um this uh any any final words uh you got, Mr. Tooch? Nope, just uh uh yeah, follow me on Twitter. At least we're getting, you know, uh, football starting real soon. This uh, the uh, August 4th, I think, is the Hall of Fame game, which I think is, what, Friday? Mm-hmm. Friday, the uh, Raiders are playing uh, – shit. Who is is it Thursday Ra- or Friday? I think it's Friday. I want to say it's Friday. Okay. Uh, no, it is Thursday. You're right. It's Thursday. The Hall of Fame game. Let's get Raiders and – is it the Cowboys? I think it is the Cowboys. Raiders and the Cowboys. I want to say – I know the Raiders are one of the teams playing in the Hall of Fame game, but uh, – uh, that we you can wager on football on Thursday. So. Raiders and Jaguars. I'm sorry. Ra- Raiders and Jaguars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, not not the most exciting matchup, but uh, you know, if you want to see uh, uh, some some f- first football action of the year, tune in on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr- DraftKings will be happy to take your bets. Your FanDuel. Oh yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should do a live show right after and just celebrate the fact that uh, football's back. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah, I can't wait. College football, I love. I, 
I, you know, Anthony got me into college football last year, man, where I was like, well, I, I was able to watch Baylor games because Anthony was big on Baylor last year. Mm-hmm. So I saw Tristan Ebner, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan, uh, Jordan Silvero break down, I'm sure, in uh, Bear Necessities break down a little Tristan Ebner. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I can, yeah, uh, looking forward to uh, to some college football action, man. Yeah. By the way, if you have not seen Jordan Silvera's uh, show, Bear Necessities, I think the fourth episode is on this Thursday at 10 p.m. Central. It's going to be another yeah. good one. He is, you know, as Jordan has said since the very beginning, he's finding the show, you know. Uh, Jordan will deliver the goods any and every way he is asked to or that he comes up with. But he is searching uh, – for his secret formula, that secret sauce that's going to take the show over the top. And one of the things that he has been doing a great job is very proactively searching for uh, opinions uh, uh, and getting thoughts from people who have viewed the shows and, and, and other people in the business and so forth to, you know, give him some some ideas and stuff. And so I, I'm actually uh, hope to talk to him very soon on a couple of uh, four, three or four ideas that he presented to me, all of them, which are great. Uh, but I wanted a little bit more complexion on a couple of ideas. So he's doing some great work with Bare Necessities. Check out tomorrow, or excuse me, Thursday night's episode at 10 p.m. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., we got the Parisis again. Tooch, your old uh, buddies when you used to. Yeah, Hanover Park Little League. There you go. Did you ever Did you ever ask him about the Hanover oh, Park yeah. Little League? Okay. Yeah, they, they definitely remember you. They, they definitely <laughs> remember you, yeah. Um, and uh, so they're uh, on their bar down hockey talk, they're going to have a cast member from the CBS hit show, uh, uh, Brothers. What is what's the show called? Uh, oh. uh, 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 what the fuck is the name of the show? Break, nice. not, uh, Big Brother, excuse me, Big Brother. Big Brother. Wow, very nice, yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the cast members for this year's edition of Big Brother is a huge NHL hockey fan. So they're going to talk hockey and also talk about the CBS hit show Big Brother. Yeah. So that nice. is at uh, 2 p.m. Central. I will be on the Irish Bears show at 3 p.m. talking uh, football. I will be attending camp again tomorrow. So they've asked me to come on and share what I have saw and heard. And then at 7 p.m. it will be the Mac and Reed show. Those guys have got a lot of Bears talking. I love their pop culture take. You know, one one of the things that's been really cool is they talk a lot about hip hop music, which I have not followed uh, much. So I'm learning a lot from them. There, there is certainly a lot of artistry in hip hop music, but I have found uh, that sometimes I found something distasteful and I've stayed away from it. But uh, they've made uh, me appreciate more of the hip hop songs that I've neglected to listen to over the years. So that's oh, yeah. one of the charming things of their show. Um, and then tomorrow night, also science fiction. I'm not sure what the guys are covering tomorrow, but you better believe they will cover it up and down, left and right. Jordan says, for those tuning in, going to try to answer any and all football questions on Thursday that you might have, think of it as football 101. If you want to know coverages, fronts, concepts, etc., Jordan is going to answer them for you. Great tease there, my man. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, Swanky yep, yep. just joins us at 11 Swanky's o'clock. Here. Yeah, Swanky, yeah, I am yeah. going to uh, suggest that you, because you and I have talked about this offline, you'll have to go back and listen to my rant on our old friends. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Swan- <laughs> Swanky go. got kicked off, out of there too, didn't he? Or got pissed right. off, ticked off over there too. They pissed <laughs> off the Swank. 
Uh, Swanky and I are going to get together for a beer very soon, so uh, we'll yep. uh, we'll talk about it then. But uh, I need uh, right. Jordan to go over some RPO for me. Yes, RPO. Give us some, give us some Justin Fields RPO mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, prediction. Mm-hmm. Here's and here's something that I want Jordan to do maybe on a future show if he's not going to uh, talk about it on Thursday. Is I sent him a link to Kurt Warner diagnosing that Packers playoff loss where they just could not get the offense going. And Mm -hmm. Warner was really, really critical of some of the concepts that the Packers offense was running. And so when you watch that, you you can't help but wonder, holy shit, was Luke Getzia responsible for any of this? You know, they were basically running – players into zone coverages and, and stopping you know okay i'm gonna this guy's guarding me here so i'll stop and look for the ball and uh warner would repeatedly say things like you know i don't know what they're doing here i, I don't know what they're doing here so uh jordan with his c- critical knowledge of uh schemes and stuff i think he would be a great uh a person to look at that tape so hopefully he'll do that in the next week or two or so um yeah very cool yeah. you know you got kurt warner from keokuk iowa mm-hmm Another Thank Iowa you. quarterback. Yeah. Yep. And then we had uh, uh, Kyle Orton from right right down the road from me from Altoona, Iowa. Oh, see, I'm a, I'm a Kyle Orton fan. Uh, Dan doesn't like him as much as I did. Uh, no. I would love to, man. It, I was I, I rooted so hard for Kyle Orton. You know, I was just I don't know what it was. When you they know? traded him, I was actually a little disappointed. Yeah, I was excited for the arm strength and the athletic uh, athleticism of Jay Cutler, you know, first-round draft pick, pro bowler in this rookie season. Uh, but I was also a little dismayed that they gave up on Kyle Orton. I think he was going into his third or fourth year, and I thought he had got to that point where you could win with this guy and not give up all these draft assets that we had to give up to bring in Cutler, who was also had the bad reputation of being a mouthful. Right, like, he was thrust into the starting lineup as a rookie, I think, right? Wasn't he Kyle Orton? Uh, yeah, because of an injury to Rex injury Grossman. to Grossman, yeah. Wow. I was just like, you got to admire that. This is a kid his first time playing in the NFL, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. you know, I think we were like 10 and 5 or something with him or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Orton and draft picks might have been better than Cutler. I, I – I want to say that, that definitely possible, definitely possible. You know, I, I love building through the draft, and I know that it's yeah. hit and misses. And when you get an opportunity to acquire a talent like Jay Cutler, then that's great. Yeah. But if you're trading away draft picks to acquire a guy who is going to need those draft picks at the wide receiver and offensive line positions, you know, uh, that's that's why why I prefer to build through the draft. Find your quarterback through the draft and also find the pieces around him that are necessary for success that way or, or add in a key free agent or two to assist that quarterback's development. <laughs> he does have a look, he does look a little bit like Orton. I was because I, I I saw the press conference today with Trevor Simeon. I was like, who's this guy? It's got to be Trevor Simeon. It looks a little bit like Orton. It does. It does. <laughs> Trevor Simeon actually looked pretty good in practice today. Uh he was he, he looked sharp. Um as you would expect a veteran to look though, you yes. know. Who knows the offense yeah. and stuff. But let's just hope that we don't see him play a single snap of NFL football other than coming in for the victory formation on a couple of games. Yeah. 
All right, I got to get some rest because it's an early day for me tomorrow to go to Bears yep. camp. Uh, so, right. uh, Tooch, you are the man. Thank you for everything. And um, I want to thank everybody in the chat room. And, again, I apologize for going off so long with my own personal demons. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, uh, Dan Aguirre is the absolute best. So uh, we will be back here next week. Um, and we've got tons of more football. The best way to stay on top of stuff is to subscribe to our Barroom Network YouTube channel or follow us on our uh, uh, Twitter page, at Barroom Network. Oh, by the way, our Facebook page is really starting to heat up. Uh, Retro has taken over the management of that page, and uh, he is going to have some exclusive stuff that you'll only find on the Barroom Network uh, Facebook page. So if you're a Facebook watcher, make sure you go over there to the Barroom Network page and subscribe to it so you can see some really cool stuff. And Tooch, you can find him on Twitter, at John Santucci VIP. He is the man, he's entertaining, and he's damn good looking. Holy shit. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Where's my closing video? God damn, I wish I had queued up. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomfe. Bear down.